The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another ep- exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Better late than never. Exactly. For those who um, well, I guess even for the audio people at this point, but yeah, for those who um are listening to the audio version only, it, this is probably. Same as it ever was for you. But yes, we are recording um a couple of days late because of because of reasons we don't necessarily have to go into, but um we are still giving you this wonderfully fine content uh that we have presented for you tonight. Anyway. It involves bodily functions, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh yeah. Indeed. And I knew there was something I forgot to do when the when the intro was playing, but that's okay because audio people won't hear it. Um, but yes, this is the Combo Chronicles. I am your host, Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. Which, now that I think about it, I need to update that, because I hadn't put anything up there in a minute, and I've been saving stuff to put up, but it just haven't been. But go check it out anyway, because it's probably new to you. Um, wow, there's a lot of comic book, um, Twitches, uh, I'm noticing. Why not goddamn stop? Anyway, um, and, uh, the sound effects you have just heard come from none other than Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? All right. Yeah, Brooklyn's finest. We got going on over there. Which wait, I'm surprised that's not a um, that's not one of your um, uh, sound clips. No, no. Oh, yeah, Brooklyn's finest. finest. That's actually um from Fabula. From yeah, no. But I'm saying I don't know. Do you have Brooklyn's finest as a as a clip? Or part of oh, yeah. I yeah. do. I do. <clears throat> I have uh Okay, there we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Why 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 was that even doubtful? <laughs> <laughs> There's you know, Roddy Cat likes to joke that there is such a deep uh treasure trove of these, you know, a, a deep reserve of these Brooklyn shout outs especially it is. in hip hop that uh, I could be uh, clipping these sound effects you know for, for days on end but de- I definitely try to ration them out and there's always going to be some that I find some that I remember some that you know eventually just make their way across my desk and I have to remember to uh, uh, cut out that little snippet to play during the intro yeah like uh, Gangstar's Brooklyn the Planet 
out here in Brooklyn, the place where we dwell. Well, that's the place where we dwell, but yeah, um, I'm thinking about the, right. the planet. But yeah, but either way, he's already he's already on point with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, folks. So yes, this is the Comic Book Chronicles. Like I said, and you can find said Comic Book Chronicles on uh, the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. No. God damn it. I know I should have. Mm. Fudge. Shit, 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 shit. Um, sorry. Um, anyway, something I got to deal with uh, in a few. But anyway, um, you can also find this here podcast on your podcast place of choice, whether it be uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, or the Coastal Lizard Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Oh, dear, 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 dear. And make sure to hit like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Five, five star reviews on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, please. Yeah, please. Uh, see if you play. Absolutely. All of that. Um,. You know what I'm saying? We we, we, we try to give you uh, some, some great content every week. Uh, and this one hopefully is no exception. Um, we do uh, record every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m., except for tonight, um, on uh, the Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. So which um, and hit like and subscribe there as well. Yes, please. That would be that would be lovely and nice. So we can uh, try to uh, you know we could try to put some more content up for you uh, outside of the stuff that we bring you every week. Which you know I know we we said we were going to do some um, do some um, some other streams, and that is definitely going to happen. So it was not a uh, that was not a a fabrication. These uh, are not idle words, folks. No, no, these are not. These are absolutely not. Uh, but regardless, uh, we are going to get into to start off the show while I try to take care of some some really ugly business uh, behind the scenes. Not ugly business, just hassles. Um, we're going to talk about briefly the latest episode of What If. Uh, that's what if episode seven that came out this week, right? And the title of the episode is "What If Thor Were an Only Child," which makes me laugh because in Norse mythology he's definitely not an only child. In right. Norse mythology, he's got all sorts of half brothers and, and and sisters, you know, you know, all over the place. I was gonna say, but in, in case, comics also. <laughs> Right. It, well, yeah, exactly. In the, in the comic adaptation, obviously, that, that translates as well. So uh, in this case, the, the premise of the story is that Odin, in his infinite wisdom, actually brokers something close to a truce and peace with the Frost Giants instead of abducting Loki and making Loki – his uh his his adopted son he actually odin actually returns loki and it's presumed that in exchange there is a long lasting peace 
between Asgard and Jotunheim. So ultimately, the what-if premise is that Thor is, well, let's just say he is the Thor that we meet in the first movie, at let's say the first third of the first movie, times 100. Yes. Or as I've taken to call him, um, um, uh, Thor Wilder or Thoris Bueller. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's definitely apropos because ultimately the way this episode plays out is that, you know, we get the opening of the, well, I guess how Thor makes his way to Earth, right? We get Jane Foster and Darcy uh, investigating a phenomenon, but instead see Bifrost head towards uh, Viva Las Vegas, where the Asgardians land and then plan to throw a party. And, you know, at this point, the Watcher explains that in this particular reality, Thor grew up without Loki, and it's the lessons that Thor learned in dealing with Loki repeatedly all the time, mm-hmm. all those lessons that he that that, that he learned in, in learning to deal with, in, in in coping with, it's really coping with Loki's yes. schemes that really shaped the Thor and the hero that we know in the uh, the sacred timeline and the main timeline. So, as always, and some people love using this trope. Odin goes into the Odin sleep because you know what? He's used up a lot of his power mm-hmm. and he needs to take a nice long nap. Don't we and all? So, right. Listen, I, I'm i about to take a nap <laughs> right now. So let's, you know, let's be real. You know, we're, we're recording this Sunday night. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, the later it gets, the sleepier agent underscore 70 is going to get. Um, Odin is in the Odin sleep and, uh, you know, while, while the cat's away, Right, Frigga and Thor will play. Frigga's out. Yeah. She's like, peace. I'm, I'm going. Go yeah, no, I'm spending my... weekend with the girls. Uh, exactly. You, 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 you be good. And, but of course, exactly. this is Thor. <laughs> you know, she's like, hey, Thor, you're in charge while Odin is asleep. I'm out. Later, right? Deuces. Mm-hmm. And Thor, in his, let's say, finite wisdom. <laughs> Not infinite, but definitely finite wisdom. Yes. Chooses this time to uh, go to, in his words, a back. You know, I, 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 I'm paraphrasing here. A backwater planet that Heimdall's not even watching. Right, which we know. Well, I guess technically can't we... be the case because it's one of the nine realms. Right, you but know, also it's just a, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a conceit for this for this episode that Heimdall's not watching Earth. Go on, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. All I was just going to say, he's basically, yeah, this this so-called backwater planet, which is, uh, uh, which is uh, Earth slash Midgard, uh, also gets treated like uh, spring break. (laughs) This is the way they run rampant all over it. Right. I mean, what was great about this is that, you know, without going, without belaboring the point, there are some really great sequences in this, Mm -hmm. right? There really are. Yes. Because ultimately, uh, the, the 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 chemistry between Jane Foster and Thor still comes up eventually, right? Yeah. Maybe not in the best way, but definitely still comes up. And yeah, uh, what, what what ends up happening is that 
uh, Nick Fury has to take a back seat almost literally because of some of the, some of the antics that that pop up uh, to Maria Hill. And Maria Hill all of a sudden is I'm ready to push the button right. all the time, anytime. And uh, some of the buttons that she presses are, uh, you know, w- would lead to uh, nuclear devastation. But one of the other buttons, one of the other buttons that she would push uh, flashes a particular symbol mm-hmm. when uh, she presses it, uh, especially on a beeper screen. And uh, I'm kind of spoiling it with that. But let's just say a certain Air Force uh, captain shows up from uh, beyond space and time yes uh yes and so she is the the she is the option used to try to straighten out thor but of course that what while it leads to a very good fight uh doesn't quite end up going that way uh so they so they end up having to resort to the most nuclear option and calling thor's mom <laughs> <laughs> So, so honestly, that felt the most real. Yeah. As silly as it was, it felt the most real to me. Right, and that's why I that's why I have likened it to like uh, Ferris Bueller and Van Wilder. Well, more Ferris Bueller on that part than the Van Wilder part, because obviously, well, if you're of a certain vintage, you know, or you, I mean, you may have seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I don't know, I don't know your life, but you know, at the end, he's trying to get back home to, to before his parents get home, and and of course, uh, in this case, Thor's trying to clean up the earth trying to get people to help him clean up the earth before Frigga makes it makes her way there which so the Bifrost is I assumed almost instantaneous but it takes her a long time because first Frank, I, I would spoilers on this one Jane Foster good tells ends up going and tells her then she ends up going to the Bifrost which I'm saying like wait could Heimdall just bypass take bringing her back home and just to, you know, just just send her to Earth immediately. Like, like, no, she goes back to uh, Asgard and then goes to Earth, and it takes a long ass time between that. But uh, the conceit is there because you know Thor's trying to get people to, to to clean up the Earth and the like. But at first, has a has an issue to do it, and everybody's like, "Uh, I'm out. You gotta go." <laughs> like, <laughs> I gotta I gotta go. You know, like. But um, it, but it, but regardless, it it all kind of um, kind of sort of works out. It it seems to work out in his favor. But Frigga's no fool. And you can kind of tell it in the way she, when she does finally get to Earth and when she's like, mm, okay, sure. Right, 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 right. So, you know, it definitely plays out a lot like those movies that Roddy Cat referenced in his earlier statement. And to that point, uh, there is a big cleanup sequence mm-hmm. of the Earth, which was just as fun as the teardown sequence basically of the yes. you know the tear it up party up uh sequence that uh uh the the episode featured uh earlier and just as we think everything is back to normal and Thor and Jane Foster are figuring out their relationship the watcher basically <laughs> is on hand when a portal opens up and there is something that I will not spoil. Right. But the watcher basically says, and, 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 and Jeffrey Wright really does an excellent job here. He does an excellent job of mm-hmm. vocalizing the surprise. Right. That is evident because the watcher is absolutely surprised. That exactly. This particular portal opens 
and these particular characters pop through. So, okay, so that is my question to you because that because it came off as is as if that was a surprise to him, or maybe he was just kind of like, no, I knew it was coming, but I was acting acting like that was good. Like I, I don't know which way it came off to you. Like was he generally because there are theories out there it was like, no, that one kind of caught him by surprise, and it's setting up, you know. The fact that he doesn't necessarily see all and, and whatnot, which I mean, you know, we know the Watchers, you know, doesn't always see all. But he, you know, like th- there were some things that kind of came up that was slightly out of his purview that 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 right. was that came into play. Right, in, and in you know, case. we'll see how all of this is related to stuff that we've seen in Loki in the you know in the Disney Plus uh, Loki series as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know if the limitations and or power set that uh uatu in the what if universe uh are the same as or similar to what the watcher is you know what uatu is in the uh, marvel comics universe we don't know if there are watchers per multiverse you know per per universe you know per reality or if this is one watcher who is seeing all the different realities so we will see how that plays out over the next two episodes because uh, uh, we talked about this in previous shows that there are nine total what if episodes for season one. So we are coming up on episode eight. And if there is going to be any sort of linking of these stories or some sort of uh, serialization of these stories going into the second season, we'll start to find out going forward with this next episode and definitely the episode episode after that, which would be the season finale. Indeed. So, yeah, but it was good. It, it, it was good. Uh, even, even down to that last, uh, because you know, most of the what is have been kind of like that. I was like, okay, it seems to be going one way and then, Oh wait, this is wrinkled at the end that, uh, seems to complicate things that you kind of want to know more about. And this was no, this was no different. Like we're not, not going to spoil what happens. Right. Um, but like, right. I want to see if not how that happened. Well, we kind of get an idea of what, how, how that probably could have happened, but what's going to happen after that, at that, after that point. Ultimately, I felt like this episode was a little bit of a palate cleanser because prior to this, like the last three or four episodes had been super dark and foreboding and just had really dark themes this one was very light, very uh, carefree, and until the very end was just a lot of fun. I definitely enjoyed myself watching this. I was laughing consistently. So that is a good sign for anyone who's looking for a slightly different change of pace in these What If episodes. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... That being the case, we can actually move on to uh, um, another Disney Plus show. Real quick, we're not going to talk too, too terribly much about this. Uh, but also what came out this past week uh, on the same night, actually, um, or same day, rather, was Marvel Vision. I mean, excuse me, uh, Star Wars Visions, which basically, right. which were the, um, which was pretty much the Star Wars slash anime anthology Um that uh that uh, Lucas and Disney Plus has put out. Uh and uh H seventy yeah in conjunction with uh nine 
Uh, yes. Anime studios, animation yes. studios, Japanese animation studios. Yes. So um, I don't know. Did they actually say whether if they were going to do another season or not? Are they? I can't remember if they've said that already or not. Because I feel like this, it's right for it. Excellent question. I am not sure. Yeah. I am not sure. I have not looked that deeply into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that in very broad strokes because Roddy Cat is still working his way through. I did manage to finish watching all, I believe nine episodes. Right. You know, they're basically short films because they last roughly 11 to 13 minutes, something like that. There's a couple of them. That's and, like 20. Yeah. But, but oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really look carefully. I just remember seeing in the teens. So mm-hmm. they, they roughly end up being like short films. Right. But look, and, roughly less than half an hour, basically folks. So yeah, you, you, and but but it's to your credit to say that since you didn't even notice the time, like they just kind of flow that nicely the way you don't you know you're not looking at that exactly. So ultimately, what we have is the these particular animation studios doing their take on what they feel is the Star Wars story they really want to tell, and. Uh, minor spoilers, a lot of it revolves around lightsabers and the Force. You know, not necessarily just Jedi, but definitely lightsabers and the Force. Roddy Cat and I were discussing this just prior to the show, and obviously, if you don't, if you don't know that Lucas originally took his inspiration for the Jedi from uh, samurai films and samurai lore... Hey, Twitch, you your, please subs and gift subs are Twitch. Whoa. Sorry about that. Don't worry about it. Keep, keep it's okay. I, what I was going to say <laughs> is, if you don't know that, you definitely need to do some homework. Yes. But if you, if you do know that, and you should, then you realize that, in a sense, these Star Wars stories are coming home. And getting the animation studios to do their take on it works out, you know, you know in, in my opinion, works out really well. It's just that there's lots of Jedi and or at least lightsabers. And, uh, you know, there's not very many uh, Han Solo types running around, you know, being highlighted. So let's put it that way. Exactly. Um, but like I said, but at that being said, though, it's still good. Like if you're an anime fan and you don't necessarily know a whole lot about the Star Wars uh, universe, I think it would still probably serve you pretty decently. Um, if you are a Star Wars fan who don't really know too much about, you know, anime, I think you would probably, you may or may not, depend on how much of a fan you are. Because there are people who would be like, yeah, I'm a fan, but I only like this and the other. So that th- may or may not. <laughs> that they right. Not you know, mileage may vary simply because they're telling their stories. Mm-hmm. We don't at this point know if these are ever going to be incorporated into quote unquote canon so we do so, know that actually so no oh we do yeah we okay, do know good. that yeah because there was a um it was either a featurette or something that but, but basically before uh, a while ago i think some folks from lucasfilm was like yeah no they got carte, carte blanche but this is not this is not canon Good, now, good, good. now that's I'm being said, that's not saying, yeah, now that being said, they could very well just be like, because sometimes, you know, even with the stuff that's in the past, like, kind of pick and choose some stuff, but yeah, no, they was like, no, we just gave them freedom to, to freedom to do stories and their thing and not to worry about canon or anything, you know, 
in the uh, right. so that, uh, anything that's hardcore. an excellent that's an excellent piece of information to incorporate into your reading and your your viewing of this right because they're they're able to go in many different directions that you may not be used to seeing and obviously won't be all that familiar with so taking into account that these creators had a lot of freedom a lot of creative freedom in the directions that they wanted to go then just enjoy the ride that's what i would say uh i watched all of the episodes in their english dub because of the fact that i knew that and we had talked about this on previous shows that there were some famous actors and actresses you know just actors period who were lending their voices to the english dub and um i i still being you know i'm not the, the biggest anime purist in the world i'm you know i i'm in the I, i'm in the earlier stages of, of my my latest journey through anime i definitely uh lean towards watching things in the original japanese with english subtitles same but in this case i definitely uh wanted to hear these uh the these more famous actors do the dubs and then i'll 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 eventually circle back and watch this in japanese with uh with uh english subtitles yeah and i and i told myself i was gonna do that same thing because like it was like and like I said, there's it's nine episodes they're not really that long of a piece like if you are you know if you're a thorough like that you could easily do that and um and be all right with it and, you know or you know as he, with some anime fans like they will go one way or the other now it is presented um if i'm not mistaken it is uh presented english dub forward so you would have to change it, you know, obviously, because, you know, it's, it's uh, being a Disney Plus, it was if you are English native speaking or if you are in an English area, it'll probably, um, you know, be whatever language forward. So that's probably that. But obviously, you know, you can change it, uh, change the um, the audio settings. Right. Uh, and and actually, um, Disney and Lucas did a heck of a lot of translating for this because, it is not just English and Japanese. That is correct. There are a multitude of languages that you have to scroll through to get to Japanese. Mm-hmm. Which is good, you know, because they, they knew. They were like, well, you know, the, the, um, anim, anime is not just a Japan and, and uh, U.S. Uh, love. So they wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, a lot of languages have been able to, to, to partake of it whenever they get there. I don't even know if every place even has Disney Plus. I know they're still kind of running out in a couple of other places here and there. Right. So, but regardless, it was good. You should definitely, if you are so inclined with uh, Star Wars and or anime, or, or if you just like anime, you know, um, and you have access to Disney Plus, or, you know, there are other ways, but still, regardless, you know, you should check it out. There's, there's some good stuff. I said the plus. The plus, exactly. Um, so definitely check it out because there's, there's some some very especially some visually and um, story wise um, some some um, some cool things in there. I even uh, was watching one of them with a friend of mine uh, who was n- who was not inclined to either one, but they enjoyed it, which okay. was that fourth that fourth episode. Um, and they said like, "Yeah, they enjoyed it." So I'm like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> Uh, but that being the case, huh? It sounds good. Yeah. So that being the case, we can move on to the comic books of the week, folks. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And by the way, um, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but all of it is we have uh, now all of Transformers G1 is out on um, uh, YouTube on uh, Hasbro Plus's channel. So you can go check that out and all its goodness. Um, I think we did mention that because season four was the last one, which granted season four was like three episodes. So that's not really saying a whole, whole lot. <laughs> but regardless, um, we're going to start the comic books with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number four, which is uh, book four of five. Yes. And allow me to introduce myself. My name is Hope. No, I mean, <laughs> there, there, there are several creators on this book, so allow me a minute to get through them. Mm-hmm. It is an important thing because... You know, it takes a small village. In this case, it definitely takes a a group of people to put together a quality book. Mm -hmm. The story, as it has been for the last four issues, you know, it's probably the entire, you know, the the entire series is probably going to read very similar in the sense of uh, the credits page. The story is by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. The script is by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Layouts are by Kevin Eastman. Pencils and inks are by Esau and Isaac Escorza, Ben Bishop, and Kevin Eastman. There is a color assist by Samuel Plata, and colors are by Luis Antonio Delgado. Letters are by Sean Lee. So if you are not caught up on The Last Ronin, you probably want to read the first three issues before getting to this, but I will say that this issue, I think, does the most explaining without a ton of exposition. Um, it does the most, you know, it basically does a lot of showing and, and, and not necessarily telling because a couple of mysteries that had been teased over the first three issues really get paid off uh, to, to, to good effect here in this issue. While at the same time, there's a lot of action going on because they are in the, this this uh, flashback, you know, several flashbacks are being told in the midst of a pretty action-packed sequence. Yep. Yeah, yep, yep. That is true. Because uh, so there was a, I don't know if you mentioned it, uh, for those that didn't know, like really quick. So as the name implies, the last run, I mean, so it's like. Uh, this is, I think this is a future story. I'm not even entirely sure though. Well, it doesn't really matter where, where, when it, where it's set, but there's one total left. I'm still not going to like granted that the, the, who the total is that's, um, in question, you know, just in case you're interested in and want to you know, pick this up from the, from the top. Yeah. That's a big spoiler. So yeah, you know, so we, we won't, we won't yeah, drop we'll, that. But regardless, we, we come to find out that there's, uh, one turtle left and we find out what happens to the rest of the turtles in, in, in up to now, which, and I think, uh, I think this was, yeah, I think this was, uh, the last, we find out the whereabouts of the last turtle and Splinter, uh, or, or not just whereabouts, but what happened to the last turtle and masters, I mean, excuse me, the, the last turtle outside of the one that's still around. Uh, mm-hmm. and a master splinter in this particular issue before going into the finale finale ex- uh, next uh, issue. Now, I guess part of the saving grace or part of the problem is that this book comes out every every two months. And and right. this got pushed again because it just came out this week, but should have come out like a week or two ago. So, right. 
Um, so well, ultimately, as long as it gets done, and exactly. since we already know, we knew this from jump that this was going to be like on a bi-monthly schedule. Mm-hmm. That you know, uh, we just have to exercise a little bit of patience, and we're going to get something that is a complete work. It's not there. There is not, to my knowledge, to in my opinion, any sort of evidence that this was being rushed at all. There's plenty of detail. Yeah. The colors are on point. Uh, you know, it's a group effort, as we, uh, as I mentioned earlier, when going over the credits to the book. So you can definitely see that it took this entire group of creators to put together a really quality book. And I enjoyed this front to back. Same. Um, I also don't know, like, because there are actual other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics that are coming out on a regular, or a fairly regular basis. So mm-hmm. this is might be getting done and i'm not sure who's doing those though because i'm not sure because i know eastman eastman is pretty much the one that's uh doing this with that other tom waltz dude um but um but i don't know if i mean this is one of those this is one of those the end type books like the marvel the end books right so that's yeah because that's just version you know that's the turtle story that's being told here exactly and and uh and yeah and this was something like they kind of had for a while they just never actually put it out um if i'm not mistaken so you know the fact that they're still they're actually putting it out right now is pretty good uh but like i said i'm not sure if like eastman earlier is is eastman is um or and or some of the other people involved in this are doing the other uh, total books they might be i didn't really check up on that because i'm not really reading them uh mm-hmm. but that could also lend itself because they might be doing this in between those books if that's the case right but i don't know for sure i would have to to, to check that out right, it, that's an excellent yeah i was about to say that's that i'm not 100 percent sure about that that could be a contributing factor to mm-hmm. this being on a bi-monthly schedule but regardless like i said it's kind of one of the things like I said, it's, it's five issues that comes out every other month at this point some folks, if you if anything we said about it is of interest to you, you could very well make it wait a couple of months because I feel like they're probably going to put this all together at some point. And, oh, absolutely! And you can read it all in one fell swoop. Absolutely, this is definitely going to come out in a collected edition. So mm-hmm. let's not you know let's not uh, you know let's not uh, doubt that at all. Yeah, and yeah. it's good. Like it's, it's worth the read. Right. I was going to say that's probably how I'm going to purchase it. I was thinking about that. Collected edition. Yeah, I was thinking about that myself because, like, like I said, it was a good read. Like I said, the, 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 we're going to assume it's going to. Uh, we don't know how it's going to. Well, we can uh, we can make an assumption on how it could very well end up, but we don't know, you know. Right. Uh, but regardless, everything up until now kind of lends itself to saying that it could very well end up pretty good, regardless of how it ends. Right. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm very much looking forward and have been looking forward to the, these issues when it comes out. But the fact that, uh, the other fact that it's uh, been coming out every two months is like, oh yeah, we got other way other books as we get. And I halfway forget about what happened in the last issue because right. of that. And um, what's fun about this is that Eastman and Laird are working together again, even if it's just their, their story, you know, while Eastman is doing the bulk of it, it's, it's, it's great to see them collaborating on something like this. Well, wait, I don't know if Laird is actually doing anything or it's because he's he's part, you know, part creator, part owner of the Turtles. turtles so well, I'm not entirely sure about that. It's their story. He, the Laird, right. I believe, sold all his uh, sold all his rights. Right. So okay. I would recommend watching the Toys That Made Us episode oh, yeah. of Teenage Ninja Turtles, which is maybe a year or two years old now. Uh-huh. 
I would absolutely recommend that on Netflix. You know, we're not getting paid by Netflix at all. Right. Or Nacell. I think it's Nacell that does the toys that made us also. Mm-hmm. But they are good because I've watched a couple of them. And I don't think I've gotten to that one just yet. But yeah, I've watched a couple of them. excellent one. You should actually jump to that one because you will get a primer, a definitely detailed history of um, the, the Turtles publishing you know, and character rights. Right. Now, I all, think all, I have... All that rules one. Right. Now, on that that being said, I, uh, another nice resource, is, you may or may not know about this, is the, the Toy Galaxy uh, YouTube channel. Are you aware of that? Mm, no, go on. Okay, I'll, I'll send you the link later on. But Toy Galaxy pretty much does, like, brief overviews of, not necessarily the toys that made us, but kind of similar. or right. But for, like, you know, uh, toys... Uh, toys mm-hmm. cartoons or, or toys that have had cartoons or vice versa stuff like so they've done pretty much anyone you can think of from back in the 80s because all of them were pretty much <laughs> marketed toy cartoons and stuff like that but they but they go through stuff like that almost in a similar manner but it's, it's very shorter because it's like um probably 20 30 uh minutes apiece like i'll send you a link to it later on right uh, so before we move on yes at least my closing my closing statement on this is if you watch that Toys That Made Us episode with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you get to see Eastman and Layered in it. Gotcha. They both are part of that documentary. So oh, cool. that's why I highly, highly recommend it. I definitely um, – I have some buddies who were uh, super big Turtle fans and I forwarded them the link, that, that information, and they enjoyed that uh, documentary immensely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Quality. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I, I've checked a couple of them, just not that one. So I'm definitely going to have to um, pop to that one when I get a chance. Um, I will probably try to put a link to Toy Galaxy uh, in the clickbait section of the show notes. I can't, can't really do that on Netflix for the Netflix show, but right. we'll see what I can do. Anyway, moving right along, uh, we liked uh, we we both liked uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja The Last Ronin. And if you have any affinity for the Turtles, even if you just know them from the cartoon, this is probably a pretty good read for you. It's yes. very different in tone, obviously, but it's it's really good. Agreed, agreed. All righty. What's next? So we're going to go to... Wait, what did we say we were going to go to next? Uh, Guardians? Guardians. I think that's what we said, right? Yep, yep, Guardians. Because unbeknownst to some, but I believe we knew, mm-hmm. but I could be mistaken... That um, Guardians of the Galaxy number 18 out this week was going to be the swan song for this particular volume of Guardians of the Galaxy. So the creative team on this, it's written by Al Ewing with art by Juan Fragari, colors by Federico Blee and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. The episode, uh, op- the, the issue opens with uh, none other than Dr. Doom laying out a magical plan to uh, to to put some sort of uh, hold on the powers that Dormammu was channeling using his uh, horde of Doombots. And there are a couple of things that pop up here that if you weren't really reading the kind of extraneous tie-ins, you wouldn't completely understand but you don't need to because they just sort of pop up one of them being a gigantic mobile gun platform and that doesn't really come up in i believe it was an 
issue of sword, they just talk about it. We don't actually see this particular uh, vehicle pop up in that issue. That came up in the Wakanda one, I believe. No, also. I think it was the sword. Was it the sword? One? I thought it was the sword one where they they recruited. Oh no, maybe it was Cable. Maybe I'm confusing. Maybe I'm confusing the two because if I'm not mistaken, oh they, yes, I, it was Cable. It was Cable. They yes. brought Cable in to this crossover, and 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 if I'm not mistaken. Rocket and Cable were talking about building a really big gun, and we finally see it here. Yes, and they end up doing that in that issue um, with the help of uh, Cable's team of uh, exterminators, as they call them, uh, uh, including one Kid, which that makes sense right there. So, yeah, but I think the gun did actually come back up because of the fact that, well, the the gun did kind of sort of come up in the Wakanda issue because of the power source. Uh, Got it. Yeah, but... Yes, the initial the initial gun ended up was, was from Cable, and then cut, cut into here in the Guardians, where it comes into play, which it definitely is a group effort, and they do definitely. So we were talking before the show about uh, Fast Fast and the Furious franchise and F nine and uh, the the theme of family, and of course Guardians being a type of family that definitely does kind of tinker with that a little bit here in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, as it ends, but basically it's all like, um, Hey, uh, last annihilations going on. Dormammu is kind of doing his thing. And this is pretty much cleaning up all of that, but also putting, um, as we will talk about a little later in the news section, giving a character a, um, a little bit of a boost that that'll, that'll take them into a, um, a, another event that is uh, fastly coming. Which is pretty much the short strokes of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 18. It was a good read, though. I mean, like I said, it, I felt it kind of felt like it was kind of going a little bit fast, and they got to like the they cleaned up the Dormammu stuff, and it was like, well, you could definitely tell, even if you couldn't tell coming into the issues uh, issue before this that the uh, series was ending, you definitely get the the sense, you know, even before you get to the the last page of this. Right. Um, that they are like, yeah, they're definitely taking this to a point. Um, and then like, once you get to the end of this, you definitely know that for certain. And they even tease something at the end of that, um, of something that may or may not come up also something else that may or may not come up, come up out of this. I think there is like a one shot that's supposed to be coming or something. I can't remember. All right. So, uh, before we move on to our next book, I would, I, I would posit the question, do you think Marvel is struggling with figuring out what to do with the Guardians concept? I don't think it's necessarily struggling with that. I think it's so I've long had the theory that it's like, you know what? Sometimes they all like we've seen this for the last half a decade at the very least. Like we've seen volumes come and go. Part of it is probably they say it's because of sales. Like maybe some people just don't, like there are not enough people that have enough stories to kind of warrant the book keeping up. Like you know, continuing as a continuing right. series, right? Right. So until something else comes up, or they have an event, as, as a lot of stuff has been going. Like um, say uh, Black Cat, you know, it's just been like, no, we're going to stop it. We're going to pause it here and then bring it back up with this other event and then kind of keep going because they have a, they still have a story they want to do. And, and certain things have been like that. But at the same time, I think there has been like, well, yeah. 
with the Guardians, it's probably something like, yeah, we don't have anybody else that's going to take it up, and Al Ewing's kind of got other things that's, that he's going to go on to. Right. Um, unless he did have more to this, and we just, and, 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 and Marvel had him stop for some other reason, we do, we do not know, but this very well right. could have We're been... Not the, sure. Yeah, we, we're this not, very well could have been... Posit, the, the only reason why I pose the question mm-hmm. that way is because this volume of Guardians turned into a catch-all for all the cosmic characters. Yes. And I think and, that was the point, partially. Well, exactly, you know, and, and and I appreciated that, but at the same time, it's awkward and it's to the detriment of some of the character development of the quote-unquote core Guardians right. that people are looking for if they're new to the MCU and they're like, hey, I want to see what the latest Guardians comic is. And all of a sudden, you've got Richard Ryder Nova and, you know, Hercules and Quasar and Moondragon mm-hmm. and Super Scroll running around like, wait, who are these people? Right. So to which if you've read other books, yeah, if you've read a book, you know the answer to that question. But yeah, I agree. It is kind of feels like a hodgepodge in this one because it's like, yeah, just let everybody do. But I think, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm no, sorry. No, I mean, I we know how it's connected. Right. <laughs> you know, but, but we're not the target demographic for that particular spin, right? Like, oh, yeah. I am new to Guardians of the Galaxy. I want to pick up a comic. Right, so like for people who were like, "Hey, I know the Guardians from the movie, so let's see what's going on," and then see all these other extraneous people who never show up in the movie. Yeah, I, I get, I see that. Right, so you know wh- whether or not um, they decide to reboot the concept, you know, we'll see. I haven't seen any news about that. I don't think we've talked about it. I don't think we are going to see anything in the next several, the next couple of months, let's say, because that's how far out solicitations go. So we haven't seen anything about a new Guardians title probably through the end of the year. Correct. And, you know, we'll see what pops up in 2022. Right. Like I said, I believe, like I said earlier, there might be a one shot that was uh, that was announced um, at some point for some event coming up. I'm not even sure, but I, I, I may, be mis- may or may not be mistaken. But, yeah, we don't know at this point. At this point, we know that this volume is ending and they'll probably there. I feel like there's probably just like we've seen in the past, there was probably going to be another guidance book before the next movie shows up at the very least. Oh, yeah. 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 I definitely agree with that. So, but that being says, you know, I'm sorry to see the go. Cause I love, well, I have loved both iterations of the, well, Hmm. I've loved one iteration of the Guardians over another, but I have been enjoying this run and subsequent runs of uh, Guardians. You know right. the the fact that Everybody they get looking for that Charlie Twenty Seven guy. Ah no, it's all about Nikki, man. Come on. Um, <laughs> uh, and people are like, who in the world are y'all talking about? We don't know these people. But uh, hey, read Guardians because 2000. we're hardcore you know? and we're old. Not uh, hardcore. <laughs> Let's live hardcore. Yes. Here I am quoting School of Rock. Yeah. And we're old, so we. we and the legend. The, yeah. Is we, way hardcore. So yeah, there was another group of guardians before the movies, before before um, before um, Dan uh, Dan Abinett and Lanning um, brought this crew or brought the core crew in, in, into this and end up being a movie. So. Mm-hmm. But that being said, um, you know, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm hoping, I'm very much hoping that even though everything we just said prior to this is the case, maybe they're going to, like, we know S.W.O.R.D. and them still out there doing cosmic space stuff. I'm hoping they're not just going to just relegate it to that. And we know, right. as far as I know, well, we know Al Ewing's still writing that one. And as far as we know, we don't know how long he's going to continue to write that. But we feel like at this, up until this point, we, he's still kind of on it. 
So mm-hmm. we got that. Um, but I would like to see more cosmic stuff. Cause like that, the last time we had a big cosmic shift, uh, that made cosmic part of Marvel was back in the nineties when, uh, Abnett and Lanning, uh, kind of, uh, revamped it and brought the, like I said, the current core group of guardians into the, into play. Um, so I, I've always enjoyed the cosmic stuff to, to a certain extent, like that one nineties, uh, silver surfer comic, which, and the Quasar one, now that I think about it, but regardless. Um, yeah, All right. yeah, so we'll see where that, where that, where that bears out uh, in the coming months, if there's anything to it. So next up, though. All right. Much next. All right, so um, how about it. we cover uh, uh, two of, I think, the bigger releases this week, and then we can go into rapid fire. Okay. I propose that we do... Uh, Death of Doctor Strange number one and Fantastic Four number 36. I wholeheartedly agree with both of those. So let's do FF first. Which one? FF. All right. So Fantastic Four number 36 is written by Dan Slott with art by Nico Leon, colors by Dono Sanchez Almara, and letters by, come on. If I pause before we talk about letters, you know it's our favorite Paisan. VC's Joe Caramagna. <laughs> Take it away, Roddy Cat. <laughs> so, yes. So, um, coming off of... Uh, if you have not read uh, Fantasy 435, which came out just last week, actually. If I'm last not week, right. Um, this is continuing directly off of that. Uh, as I pull up the uh, the um, the cover for this issue, um, and and actually comes not only that but uh, that and the issue before it, where you know a change happened to one of the characters. Which, if you're watching the video versions, you can see the character in question whose powers got um, altered, buffed up e- even uh, because right. of, because of something they did. <laughs> I don't know if they, I can't sit here and say that they deserve this, but you know, the, the, it happened because of something they did because of, um, because of, uh, a longstanding FF character mm-hmm. villain, some would say, um, who actually, so we forgot that, who actually, yes, antagonist who actually we forgot to mention does definitely have a turn in, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and, um, ends up getting something to benefit them as they tend to do. Oh yes, we definitely yeah, we definitely left that part out. Yeah. Um we we open with that particular character, but we also close with that character in yes, Guardians. Indeed. But moving to this, this is the aftermath of what happened in the last couple of issues and the uh the first family of Marvel are dealing with the fact that this that this uh the human torch's powers got altered for the worse and uh he can't turn them off. Uh, which long-time Fantastic Four fans will start noticing some beats, and even in the pages of Fantastic Four, they even kind of mention it, because the thing, the thing who has had issues with his powers, and, uh, you know, and Reed Richards uh, trying to figure out what's going on, this is begin- pretty much the beginning of that, and being that Ben's been, th- been there, um, where Johnny is now, he's kind of being the, the emotional support while trying to deal with this, and, you know, this whole issue is pretty much, you know, Johnny 
well, not even starting to deal with it, but, you know, still kind of freaking out about the fact that his, you know, he's, um, that his powers got altered and he can't really be around anybody because, you know, it gets, um, he gets, the more emotionally he does, the worse his powers kind of, uh, right. flare up. Right. You make an excellent point and, and just hold that thought. Sure. He apparently is progressively getting worse. Yes. Whereas, at least for the most part, Ben Grimm was always sort of a static transformation. And it was always right. Reed trying to get Ben to turn back into his human form. Whereas in this case, things things seem to be gradually getting worse for Johnny Storm. Mm-hmm. Part of it is related to his emotional state because that seems to exacerbate the worsening of the effects of what uh, uh, what's happened to him. But also I think it would be exacerbated regardless of yes. his emotional state. I mean, it would be accelerating, that is. It would just be getting progressively worse. Right. Probably as the more he uses his power, the probably the worse it seems like it's getting. And we've seen that. We've seen this in the past. Like the Iceman's done a a similar, you know, had a similar um, issue back in the X-Factor days. You know, so this is this is nothing new, you know, in in cases. But it's new to to Johnny. Right. But um, but uh, as as Roddy Cab mentioned, you know, his his powers are. Uh, you know, definitely, uh, let's say, multiplying by several factors. One thing that is that that slot brings right back into the fold is that whole uh, uh, spirican or sp- spirican. Spy. Oh yeah, the, the spire. Yes, the the planet where uh, Sky uh, came from. Johnny's. Um, well, betrothed. I- promised whatever life they mate. want yeah yes. suppose that life mate uh but yeah but that takes a turn in this issue also because apparently yes. being that they're linked that they have been linked since this volume or since the beginning of this volume um, right close to the beginning yes yeah um so basically what's happened to him has affected her in more ways than wor- one because of their links together and because of what he did and that uh takes a a a definite uh, turn here, which I assume that's probably going to come back at some point in a, in a way, which was kind of sad because I was like, you know, even when what happened to Johnny, you know, even what 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 Johnny did happen, I was like, yeah, I can only imagine what what how that's going to affect um, Sky, and we see that here. Well, we've been seeing that here in a little bit, but we definitely get to see what um, what happens here because of that, right. And, you know, so that relationship kind of uh, takes a turn to where you you figured it was going to go, but you know, but it also leaves it open to where it's like, yeah, okay, they got they, there's um, leave something open to to bring them back, uh, or or at least to bring the people that despite uh, Kai Scott comes from Despairians or whatever they call them. I'm not even sure how they how they even uh, uh, say that either, but brings them back to the full at some point if they if something should or if and or when something should come about right because if i'm not mistaken in the issue 35 the anniversary issue i think they talked about or maybe it was in this issue they talked about going back to the 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 spiricans or spiricans because they have a lot of experience with the cosmic correct that was this issue Mm -hmm. that was this issue so right they talk about uh, reinvolving those characters because they may be able to assist with what's happening to Johnny. Right. And because of the fact that, um, well, that specifically, but definitely because of the fact that uh, the thing, the other thing that was linking uh, Johnny and Sky 
is probably is probably a thing that's uh that they can key in on because it's um out of everything else that that is uh blown up or almost literally blown up or, or going into tossing the flames around him that thing did not so right. th- i'm sure that's probably gonna possibly come back up in some some um some point as they try to figure out try to get a control of uh johnny's powers and hopefully you know um uh, reverse the situation, but as Ben knows, it's not going to take a while. Even if Ben, even if Reed can do it, so mm-hmm. the fact that these other people are, are involved may hasten that a little bit, or you know, end up being a plot point that um, screws with something else later on. Exactly. So on that note, I would just end with my final thought, which is, come on, man, you 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 made this bed. Now you got to lie in it. And they pretty much say that in the course of this issue. <laughs> So yeah, the, so what Agent Seventy said was exactly the thing that was 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 pointed out, um, including you know especially when like yeah, uh, when Ben and Johnny was talking on the on the roof and when uh, Sky was coming before they saw her, like yeah that, that those words were definitely uttered. So yeah, uh, it's right. been good. Like it was a good issue. It's kind of kind of sad because obviously the you know the things around us are going on, but and it's probably going to get progressively worse as as uh, if that last couple of pages um. Is in education, um, but we'll see how it goes. Next up, though, and and just as 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 a quick uh, as a quick addendum, mm-hmm. Roddy Cap mentioned that we've had two consecutive weeks with these Fantastic Four issues, so it's it, it kind of it it, it definitely uh, helped to have this much story coming, you know, one week after the other uh, to to really get a sense of how desperate this particular situation is for the ff indeed all right so next up is the death of dr strange it's written by jed mckay with art by lee garbett uh colors by antonio fabella and letters by vcs Corey pettit i will say that this title is somewhat deceiving i will also say that when I read this and I put it down, I thought to myself, so there are horcruxes. Shout out to <laughs> Harry Potter. Yes, indeed. And I, I will go ahead and put this out here right now before I forget. So, yes, there are definitely similarities. There's, it is misleading slightly, but it's also misleading in the same way that the death of uh, one Scarlet Witch has been slightly misleading. But also... Um, may possibly be tied together as uh, as um, uh, a couple of articles have theorized because of the way both of them had died or seemingly okay. been killed. Um, so this could be leading up to something else. Maybe this is leading up to that dark hole thing. I doubt it, but you know anything could be the case. We don't know. But yeah, right. so the death of Doctor Strange. If that's if that's not telling you anything, um, yeah, uh, Doctor Strange dies in this issue. Spoiler alert. But does he? Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. And that's where the Horcruxes come in. Exactly. If you're with the concept from Harry Potter, then you know that uh, at least the concept has translated into the pages of Doctor Strange. It also feels like, now that I'm thinking about well, actually, I thought I kind of thought about this when I read it, but also feels weirdly like that Doctor Strange episode of What If, in a way. 
when the ancient one kind of comes in when you know or a version of the ancient one kind of comes in to stop them because like they sent a, uh they like they kind of knew this was gonna happen so therefore they sent an echo of themselves to be right. like hey what's what's you know don't do this kind of situation i feel like i felt similar issues a uh, similar thing with that gotcha in this issue um, but I, this is leading somewhere we're not entirely sure because because I know there's been articles about like why are they killing off Doctor Strange you know before coming up, and and Scarlet Witch when we know they both have things coming up in the same movie mm-hmm. they move have a movie in the coming but obviously as things and have we have that we are alluding to that everything is not all what it seems and it's probably leading to some event um but I don't know it. What did you think of the issue? Like, was this was this is something you're going to keep up with? Did you? Th- I think I'm going to keep up with it. It read very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, there's a bit of a setup, obviously, because we have to get you know we have to establish the stakes. We have to get everyone acquainted with Doctor Strange's status quo because it's been a little while since he had his own title. We've really seen Doctor Strange in other titles and in the pages of strange Academy. So we did need a little bit of an opening setup sequence. And then we have the, the catalyzing uh, event that gets Dr. Strange moving into this whole Horcrux territory. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, there's a little bit of an interlude with uh, characters from, from strange Academy. And, uh, as I said, the, uh, the instigating event, you know, that is, um, you know, the, the inspiration for the title of this book, you know, that that's the mildest way I can put the spoiler. Right. And then there's the after effect, you know, the, uh, the, the aftermath where uh, the investigation starts and, you know, w- you know, something appears, you know, something unexpected appears at the uh, uh, at the end of the story on the um, on the closing uh, splash page. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's definitely a nice little cliffhanger there, and we'll see how the second issue of this series plays out. I'm going to stick with it at least through the next issue and see if this goes um, as well as it should. Uh, there is a checklist at the back of this book. Yes. And there are not just this main miniseries, but tie-in issues as well to uh, – it looks like one-shots. Yeah, it looks like they're all one-shots. They're not – um, tying into the regular ongoing uh, Strange Academy book right. or Spider-Man or uh, actually there's no Blade right now. So yeah, most of these are one-shots. Right. Um, yeah. So the funny thing about this, like I just haven't said, uh, it did, and I'll close off with this, uh, that it did read kind of quickly, but it also felt like if they didn't title this Death of Doctor Strange, it would not take you very long to see that they were leading you there down that road with what they, with with everything they brought up with this. Because they kind of right. went through almost like a day in the life of Doctor Strange and they kept kind of pointing to like, hey, he's the Sorcerer Scream Supreme, and like, hey, yeah, there are other, other people that could do it, and there are definitely other Sorcerer Supremes of other realms, and this and then the other. So it's like, okay, even if they hadn't titled this, I was like, yeah, you can see, like, like where are they going with this? Are they going to kill? Yeah, yep. <laughs> mm. So, 
And this is, I feel like this is not also the first time they've killed off Doctor Strange, but also the, the one other time where they've tried, it was a, like, a, I believe that was the oath where they tried and, the, you know, it ended up not happening, but still, like, so, I don't know. But regardless, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to stick with it because I'm, I'm very curious as to what they're setting up. And I'm very curious, also very curious as to see if it's actually going to be tied in what was going on in the pages of uh, the trial of uh, Magneto and with what was going on with uh, Wanda uh, there with her supposed death. Uh, if that is even the thing, because like I, I don't know, the thing that ties these two ties these two together outside of the fact that they're magic, like could be coincidence, but probably not. <laughs> right. All right. That being said, I don't know if you got another book, or we can just go to rapid fire. Oh, I'm gonna spin it up. It's Hit getting. It. I, I'm getting tired, so uh, I'm gonna spin it up so we can rapid fire this. I ain't got time to bleed. Rapid fire, Chris. Um, do you want to go ahead and um, hit yours? Sure. All right. So I will start with uh, some of the books that we do not have in common. Batman number 113. It's written by James Tinian IV with art by Jorge Jimenez, colors by Tomo Mori, and letters by not VC, but on his own, Clayton Cowles. So this issue is an important issue for anyone who's looking to figure out what uh, the, the the background of this fear state, future state-ish uh, 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 storyline comes from. Basically, we find out uh, through uh, Ghostmaker, the uh, the new character that was introduced as a foil slash rival to Batman. You know, someone who he trained with, um, uh, kind of like. Um, Oh, I forget the character's name from uh, the animated series because Yoro Sensei was their teacher, but he had a rival that uh, that he trained with, like and that's Kyo, called, like Kyokai or something like that. Oh, Kyokai, something like that. I can't remember if that was exactly it, but it's something like that. Yeah, there, that that definitely rings a bell now that you mention it. But ultimately, uh, this Ghost Maker character is a rival slash, you know, fr- you know, let's say friendly rival. That's the best way to put it. We're not. Uh, we're we're not early Vegeta uh, Goku. We're much later current Vegeta Goku, right? And <laughs> you know we get a little bit of background with uh, Ghostmaker's relationship to one Jonathan Crane, aka the Scarecrow, who is essentially the main antagonist of this Fear State slash Future State storyline. And we basically find out how all of this fits together. We're into Ghostmaker's understanding of that character and relations to that character and where this ultimately may be going. And uh, that whole Peacemaker uh, program or Peacekeeper program is uh, about to blow up in the uh, uh, Simon Saint and the new and the current Gotham City Mayor's face. So, uh, you know. How all of this is going to play out and how that affects the uh, the I Am Batman book, you know, we, we'll see how long this whole Fear State thing decides to play out because we know that at least through solicitations and through news articles that Batman is going to leave Gotham City. Uh, you know, at this point, he's still there. So we will see how um, that plays out and how that affects the Batman line as a whole. Speaking of the Batman line, 
of related books. Nightwing number 84 also came out this week. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Robbie Rodriguez, colors by Adriano Lucchese, and letters by Wes Abbott. So this is a tie-in. This issue is a tie-in into uh, the current Fear State storyline in Batman. It involves uh, Dick Grayson making his way back to Gotham City because he's basically lured into... It's a trap! So uh, Batman makes his way into uh, this trap and helps to foil it. So there is a bit of a reunion of the original Boy Wonder and the Caped Crusader. Uh, Next up is... Philadelphia number 17. It's written by Rodney Barnes with art by Jason Sean Alexander. There's a backup story that has art from Chris Mitten. Colors on both stories are by Louis Nick. Actually, colors on the main story, that is, is uh, by Louis Nick. And letters on both stories is by Marshall Dillon. So um, if you're not up on this, it's a little on the confusing side now because we're definitely getting into uh non-traditional vampire non-traditional let's say non-traditional uh mythologies and uh horror type fiction with regards to how it relates to vampirism and vampire history so it's a little bit you know like it's hard to really recap i've just been following along because i you know i'm interested to see how um Rodney Barnes, you know, wraps all of this stuff up. You know, the uh, the the war for for Philadelphia wages on. You know, is still being waged, and it's a uh, it's pretty it's pretty intense. Um, ultimately, it's just worth picking up to read. I think I think there are at least considering that this is number seventeen. I think there are at least now three five issue. I think they're roughly five issue trade paperbacks, so it is definitely worth catching up to uh, to, to catching up on the story. Uh, next up is Moon Knight number three. It's written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Cappuccio, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I understand that Roddy Cat also read this book. Yep. And essentially, this is a showdown between Moon Knight, who is, let's say, the right fist of Khonshu, like the right-handed fist of Khonshu, versus – what is this guy's name again? It's on the cover. Hunter I, Moon. Hunter Moon, mm-hmm. right, who is essentially the left-handed fist of Khonshu. And, you know, they have to basically uh, duke it out kind of like love and hate style. You know, shout out to uh, Do the Right Thing. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's essentially how this issue plays out because uh, the uh, Hunter Moon doesn't agree with uh, Mark Spector's uh, tactics and and his approach to being the fist of Conchu at this point, and he's probably not wrong. Right. Yeah, he basically thinks that uh, that Mark's being soft, and did you uh, the the soft is not really doing what he's not doing because of some things that happened in the in the beginning of this volume. But other, but other 
things also. It was like, no, nah, you're going soft. We need a harder tactic. So I'm here to, I'm here to teach you. <laughs> I'm here to right. get you back on track. Doesn't necessarily go that way or seemingly go that way, but it was a good fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Almost seemingly one sided in a couple of places, but hey, yeah, it was it was good. Wait, um, did you say the? I'm sorry, did you say the? You did say the creative team. Uh, yes, of Moon Knight. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I'm just checking. Um, I might have missed that. Sorry, because I was doing some stuff. But yeah, move right along. All right, next up is United States of Captain America number four. It's written by the uh, the 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 better Christopher Cantwell. Uh, it's penciled by Ron Lim with inks by Cam Smith and Scott Hanna. There is a backup story that is written by Alyssa Wong with art by Jody Nishi, uh, Nishijima. Colors on both are by Matt Miller and letters on both are by VCs Joe Caramagna, our favorite Paisan. So this issue brings us. Um, all right. All right. It brings us U.S. Asian. Because, you know, they're bringing yeah. all the former Captain America, Captains America together. And a uh, U.S. agent uh, gets pulled into this, uh, into this mission. And we get the introduction of not one but two of these possible Captain America, Captains America that are uh, taking up the mantle of, uh, of Captain America around the country. Despite the fact that they are essentially non-powered individuals they're just looking to do the right thing so without belaboring what's really kind of a, a shallow story about the theft of uh captain America's shield and right. uh cynthia schmidt aka uh mother superior now they're calling her mother superior now and uh looking to try to besmirch and 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 uh basically embarrass captain america uh, and, and uh, you know, essentially, it's just an excuse to have all of the former uh, wielders of the shield and the and the identity uh, team up to try to, uh, to, to 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 stop this evil plot from from uh, coming to fruition and to and to regain uh, Captain America's original shield. Right. And I would I, I, there is no reason for me to do this, so I apologize in advance. But I am going to say former modern ones because obviously Isaiah uh, Bradley not amongst that because you know re- retired. Actually, I don't even know if he's still alive in this. I'm assuming he is, but uh, in, in the Marvel universe at this point. But regardless, yeah. So yeah, all of the the the, the modern former. Modern active ones, so yeah, U.S. agent had to show up at some point, and Bucky came in last uh, last issue. Um, so we were gonna have to deal with a uh, 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 U.S. agent at some point in this mother. <laughs> right, and who is? So we get the introduction of the campus Captain America, mm-hmm. a young lady who uh, is of uh, Asian descent, mm-hmm. and it is her uh, calling. To uh, you know, at least in, as described in this issue, uh, she's combating something that is unfortunately uh, uh, something that runs rampant on college campuses. Indeed, and uh, you know, it's 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 a mix of uh, of, of uh, classism and just you know, violence against women, and it's. It's it's just uh, unfortunately a, a very real issue that is touched upon here in the backup uh, story. Right. I so in that 
that being that, you know, I, oh, and it's on. Oh, I, I forgot to mention that uh, this character is inspired more by Bucky Barnes as Captain America. Yes. Right, because as we have seen during the course of this uh, of this miniseries, there have been different uh, there's these different caps that are uh, inspired by the different wielders uh, of the shield. Uh, so, because I think I can't remember, I think it was Aaron the the first one we meet uh, that was inspired by Sam. Correct. And then like there was uh, Joe who was inspired by by um, by Steve, and then of course this one uh, Bucky. I don't know who anyone well i think there's another one that's come out i suspect it's probably going to be um john walker yeah inspired by john walker because they have similar backgrounds because i we we know this already um but that being said uh so yeah the whole mother superior and uh did you know that other person the commander krieger who formerly known as warrior woman did you know that character already i remember the name warrior woman right so I was surprised that they were going by another name. Right. So I was like, I'm not, so I know I used to read some Cap comics, but I don't remember that. But also we have another long standing Cap uh, villain come up in another form. Um, and of course, when you're dealing with the Schmitz and any kind of hate uh, crimes against folks, uh, there's always a monger. Right. <laughs> so that's just, an, it's an inevitability. Yes. Uh, but we do see, I assume, is a new version of 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 uh, of this uh, entity. Yeah, a variation on the theme because yes. it is uh, basically a, a a specter, a roving spirit. Mm-hmm. So see how that plays out in the last issue of the series. I think I believe that is the case. Right. So the upcoming uh, issue of uh, United States of Captain America will be its finale. Yeah. All right, and last for rapid fire for me this week is X Men number three. It's written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Pepe Larraz and uh, colors by Marte Gracia. Letters are by VCs Clayton Cowell. So this was kind of an offbeat issue. Um, I was surprised to see the High Evolutionary spoiler alert. Yeah, same. Show his show his face. And bring uh, with him a character who I needed some help finding out who this character was. It was I, you know, just a quick Google search yeah. revealed that this was a character that was introduced during the Uncanny Avengers uh, Remender arc. Mm-hmm. That's why Rogue knows who this is. Right. And uh, because Rogue was a member of the Uncanny Avengers, the, uh, the Unity team, the Unity squad. Mm-hmm. And... You know, uh, essentially, without getting into too much of this, because I'm tired, and I think Roddy Cat will <laughs> be better able to describe how all of this is connected. There are some fisticuffs, and uh, the High Evolutionary is essentially repelled, but at the same time, there are other things going on. Uh, namely, some information reaches the hands of uh, Ben Urich. Yes, and. Uh, also, there are some uh, gyric things going on as well. Mm-hmm. But also, I think this whole thing was in service of... It. So, yeah, the, the one thing I've been liking about... Well, kind of sort of liking about this uh, volume of uh, X-Men is that they've been quick to get into the action, and the action kind mm-hmm. of flows pretty nicely. But this particular issue, even though that was the case, was pretty much in service of... Uh, like, yeah, there was some action here, but it was also in service of... Here's a little... Like little little uh, exposition dump, um, 
It's not necessarily a dump, but just some some bits of information, like the 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 bits that um, Agent Seventy just said, but also um, the over arc, the, the the pretty much the one for this arc with uh, what's going on in space with Cordyceps Jones, because now the X Men know about that part of the equation, who's been pretty much trying right. to um, um, who's been out there or running who's a been gambling, behind, right? Who's been example. behind all of these? You know, we won't call them. Strictly incursions, because when we say incursions, you know, post-secret wars, that kind of means one thing. Mm -hmm. But essentially, these attacks by these uh, extraterrestrial uh, uh, elements that are coming, you know, that the X-Men have had to repel, um, the high evolutionary proves to be useful in that regard uh, and provides information and intelligence to the X-Men. I also want to mention that uh, I believe... This is the second straight issue where the X-Men are are thanked, if not the third straight issue, the X-Men are thanked by the local people yes. and invited to share a meal. I believe it is second, yeah, um, for certain. Um, but yes, you're right about that. Um, and also, there's something else that's probably going to come up later, and they even say to address it in the, in the course of the book, where one character um, not necessarily sacrifices himself, but kind of gives up something in order to stop the fight um and that's probably going to come up somewhere and even you know cycles was like yeah it'll come up but we'll deal with it so i'm like that's well, right <laughs> i'm like okay well great so um yeah it was all right i was like i, I enjoyed it so i guess they we're pretty much uh halfway in this uh in the in this arc and uh we're rounding up rounding the corner on it so we'll see what happens at you know coming out of it with what was uh mentioned here uh, right so, so he said that was it for you, so I yeah, go on to mine. Scroll, 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 scroll. I wish I had typed this up already, but that's fine. Transformers number thirty-five. Um, sorry, while I get covers, think there we go. Transformers number five, thirty-five. Excuse me. Written by Brian Ruckley, art by Anna Malkova, colors by David Garcia Cruz. And Evan Gaunt, uh, letters by Jake M. Wood. So the short strokes is after last um, last issue, where Tobagex was being attacked by uh, the Insecticons, uh, but trying to hold her hold her own in her house. Uh, the Autobots come swooping in uh, and try to help out because they want something she has. Uh, but as they're trying to talk her out into giving them, uh, or as Optimus tries to talk her into giving them what she want, them what wants, uh, the Decepticons attacking is a big, uh, knockdown drag out, well, start of a knockdown drag out fight that gets kind of sort of handled, um, or it's kind of still going at the end of this book. So I want to say this is like the f- might be the first major battle between Autobots and Decepticons, as they are now called. Because at the beginning of this uh, volume, the um, the Decepticons, led by Megatron, were called the Ascenticons, and they ended up getting their name. And the, the Ascenticons were formerly led by this Termagix uh, uh, Cybertronian, and uh, who Megatron has uh, strayed away from her teachings... And uh, she acknowledges that, but she also pisses off uh, Megatron, which is why she was being attacked in the, uh, uh, 
coming into this issue because uh, she has something that he wants also. Uh, but you know, as we come like as we come to find out that she's not out of tricks uh, herself, so we'll see how that works out. Um, next issue. Uh, speaking of Transformers, uh, Transformers Beast Wars number eight. Uh, as I pull up, doing double duty here, folks. Bear with me. Yes. Transformers Beast Wars number eight, uh, written by Egg Burnham, art by Winston Chan, uh, colors by Sid Vin Blue. I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce that. And maybe I might have made a typo here also. But letters by Jake M. Wood. Um, so, folks who know about the uh, Beast Wars, this is kind of a reboot retelling of that, but so it doesn't necessarily go the way that the show did, uh, because there are some characters that weren't in the show that, um, that are in here. So this is kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a, a comic reboot, I guess, but also anniversary of beast wars, I believe, uh, starting us off, not well, that started this off or something, but regardless, uh, black reckoning comes in, uh, as of last, uh, issue and is infiltrated the maximum base Somewhere in between there, she her some coding that she got from her pod takes effect, and she turns Predacon and starts screwing with the base and starting getting some information for her own goods. If you know the character of Black Arachnid, you already know what she's about. Uh, which leads the Maximals to try to hunt her down. Um, you know, it kind of goes a a way, uh, a a certain way, and uh, there is a meeting of. Uh, this character and another Predacon who uh, is known to uh, pair up, not necessarily pair up, but um, uh, ally themselves with uh, said Black Arachnia. Despite what this uh, the cover says, if you're watching the video versions, <laughs> it does not go like this. Um, let's see, what is next? Oh, X-Corp number five. Um, I guess uh, Agent 70 did not read this because I know you not nope. have not really been on X Corp like that. Right. Wait, is this the last issue? Um, you know I what? know that it's it was slated for cancellation. Correct. So. I don't remember if that is the case or not. Um, I think it might be. Now that I'm thinking about the end, but I'm not entirely sure. Not because I would have to go back and look at the end of the book uh, again to see if that's the case. But. Um, so S Corp number five, written by Tenny Howard, art by Alberto Facci or Facci. I don't know. Yeah, I'm assuming Facci. Uh, color artist Sunny Go, who I just found out was a dude. Don't I? Okay. Why, that I don't know why I thought it was a, a woman. Not that it really matters, but I'm just. You know, there's an interesting tidbit, I guess, if it's interesting at all. Letters by VCs Clayton Clowles Cowles. And apparently I didn't put any notes in for this one, but that's fine because um, everything that's been happening in the last couple of issues kind of uh, happened in. So, you know, X-Corp's new uh, invention machine thing kind of gets attacked by um, the, the first twins and some other folks. Um, and they end up repelling this. One character seemingly gets killed, but, they, but you know, being that Krakoa is what it is. Uh, that doesn't stay that way for long, but seeming like you would think this character's death would affect some other 
characters of its same ilk, but may or may not have been the case, apparently. Um, but they end up cleaning up the situation re- regardless and even uh, finishing up a thing that uh, this this uh, this volume started off with in that it's uh, finishing off its... Uh, the uh, finding the members of its board and um and uh you know getting that squared away like i said i'm not i'm not entirely we do like agent 70 said we do know that this thing i believe was being slated to cancel i think this might have another issue in it but i don't like you know what? i'm gonna look real quick folks just real quick uh to to refresh myself on the last page of this uh of this okay it does say at the end so that might very well be uh, so yeah that might very well be that for this but uh, we'll see I don't know if something if they happen to do something else with this later on or whatever the case may be we'll find out I guess um, I'm not entirely sure what this book was supposed to be here for outside of the the um, setting up X Corp or and uh you know and the relationships between the members of the board is particularly um uh M and Warren Warrant Warrington, but I don't know. This book didn't seem all that necessary anyway. Uh X Men Onslaught Re- Revolution uh Revelation, excuse me. I believe you did say you skimmed this, correct? Agent seventy? Um or not, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, not so uh, much. I mean, a little bit, but I I didn't really read um, the way of X that closely, mm-hmm. so I'm a little lost because I know this is like a direct continuation of that, that story. Is correct. Yeah. Weirdly, is not only is a um 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 a continuation, but also goes into a new book apparently. Right. Uh, as we come to find out. So yeah. So this is a one shot. Um, that like Agent Seven says, it's coming off of the Way of X book, which I don't know if it got canceled or not. I think it did because of this new book that's coming out with um, uh, Nightcrawler and crew. So yeah, some things come out uh, about this. There was a whole big ass big plot with Onslaught, who just the very name of Onslaught sends uh, groans down the spines of certain folks of a, a certain vintage, naming it myself. Because if you remember this, the Onslaught era back in the day, it was not. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was not great. But regardless, so on on slide comments comes back has a plot against the Krakowins and um uh, that plot gets um gets uh dealt with. Uh there's a new place, Krakowin place that has to do with the Astro Zone that comes into play also in this issue, and Nightcrawler gets a new mission all all at the same time. And again, there's a uh, there's a new book that we know it's coming up, even, even if you did not know that. The end of this book kind of uh, hints towards that. Um, I guess uh, with uh, Nightcrawler's blossoming mission, which again started off with one thing, but I guess it's going to this other thing uh, that almost seems familiar, but we're not ins- we're still not entirely sure what the whole um, what the whole conceit of it is until this whatever this new book is, uh, whose name is escaping me, comes about. So that's that. Um, last book for me is Gamma, Bl- Gamma, Gamma, Bl- Gamma Flight number four, which is, I believe, four issue of uh, five. Um, pink. 
There we go. Written by, I don't have the creative team here because I totally read this at the last second. Uh, but it's Al Ewing and Crystal Frazier. I do know that much as the writers. Lam Medina is the artist. Uh, Antonio Fabella is the color artist. And VC's Joe Sabino is the letterer and the designer of said issue. So, I mean, realistically, the only thing we find out in this in this issue is that one, we get a little bit more backstory on this the the character uh, of Dion, who I believe goes by the name of ends up going by the name of Stronghold. We we found out last issue that she is the daughter of a. Um, a relatively recent uh, Immortal Hulk villain, or I guess kind of mid to early on uh, a villain. So we 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 find that out last issue, but we get a little bit more into that in this one. And then there's a plot where they're pretty much the gamma mutates in this town, and there's there's a touch of real world allegate, uh, allegory going on here with um, with uh, with uh, some uh, with some things, but you know. Uh, worth getting to at this point. Eh, maybe, maybe not. But uh, they has this plan to kind of go in and assault this thing. And there's this uh, one invention that has to do with one Doc Samson uh, from way back when, back in the Hulk days. In fact, how Doc Samson ended up being Doc, the Doc Samson. <laughs> As he said, it's been a thorn in the side for, for years. Um, but they pretty much hatch a plan to deal with that thing that is uh, somehow... Um, a part of this plan, but they may have fallen into a big, big trap in the, uh, in the outset of it. And, um, we'll see what happens in the next and possibly final issue of Gamma Flight. Alrighty. And that is it. So we can go to clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Um, Agent 70 already has his, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that we didn't, and I totally forgot to ask again, since we're, we're recording on a different date than we normally did, and I, I assume one of the uh, other guys could have possibly read something by, uh, by now, but probably didn't. So, we don't have anything from them, but Agent 7, I believe, has his already. Oh, yes, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number four. Uh, I thought the payoff of this issue... Uh, after the tease and the, and the mystery of uh, how the turtles came to number just the the last Ronin, uh, I thought paid off in this issue. I thought it was a good, well structured issue that paid off what we were anticipating and showed us uh, the last the, the last parts of uh, of this uh, somewhat sad but soon but but maybe uplifting tale as the last Ronin uh makes a last stand and uh you know is getting some help doing it yes and speaking of us which we forgot to mention yes because we do find out another little bit of a rink well a, a little bit more about a certain side character that is helping uh in this it, it is a character that is the daughter of two other uh characters of the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh universe Right. Uh, and we kind of find out that um, there's a little bit more to her than we initially thought because of uh, their her parents' um, um, uh, relationship to the turtles, let's say. Proximity. Proximity, say. yes, 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 indeed. So that's probably going to come up into something at some point, I'd assume. At the, at the very least, the next issue, we would hope. Um, 
<laughs> but anyplace else, we don't know. Uh, for myself, that's a really good pick, by the way. So, you know, I, I, I support that pick. Um, I don't know. I'm teetering between... I'm kind of teetering between that. Um, that Moon Knight issue was actually not bad for the for the fight. Um, Fantastic Four 36 was actually pretty good. Um, I think I'm actually going to go with uh, Fantastic Four number 36. Um, but like I said, I do support that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin. Uh, so that being the case, and as I type this in here, we're going to go into the news section. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, a personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to tonalte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. Now we get into the news. And as we do every week about this time, we start off with... Boop. The cinematic news. Uh, first up, HBO Max slashes price in half after HBO leaves Amazon channels in bid to stem expected uh, subscriber losses for some reason, I guess. Because I don't think they're really slacking for sub- subscribers, but what do I know? Um, Reader is offering a half-off discount on HBO Max now that HBO is no longer available on Amazon Prime video channels. Uh... Well, I guess it's over with. Well, wait, what's today? No, yeah, I guess it's over with. So, basically, uh, as of that writing and the day we're recording here on the 26th, the monthly subscription cost would have, was, uh, will be seven forty nine for up to six months. So, if you happen to be watching the recording of this at the time and you don't have HBO, uh, uh, HBO Max and interested in it hey you can go check over while it's still sunday i guess um for the next six months for anyone who has accessed uh, hbo via the channel's uh platform on uh hbo i mean on amazon prime i guess the discount will all, all available to new and returning subscribers according to this so and according to this article the move is aimed at counteracting the inevitable loss of subscribers due to the management decision which was apparently set in motion two years ago to break from Amazon channels, which I'm not sure why they were even on there in the first place, honestly. Um, right. uh, the platform removed HBO earlier this week in their relationship that uh, long predates the current streaming era. I believe the app, HBO Max app, however, is not going anywhere off of your fire sticks. 
as far as I know. So, right, those are two separate things. Exactly. Uh, next up. All righty, in a new trailer that HBO Max drops for its upcoming programming slate. HBO Max nonchalantly tucked away a few glorious, apparently, according to this author, until now unseen seconds of its Peacemaker series starring John Cena, as was recently announced, the Suicide Squad spinoff is expected to hit the streaming service around January 2022. So, uh, you know, if you're a fan of Cena's role as Peacemaker, guess what? It's about to keep going. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom cast India Moore, uh, Janie Zhao, and Vincent Reagan. Or is it Reagan? I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Um, so yeah, these these folks are joining the cast of the second Aquaman movie. Um, let's see. Zhao is playing a mystery character named Stingray, not to be confused with the Marvel one. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Matt Wang. Exactly. <laughs> Which, um, that, that's a side note. I don't know if you saw that um, that tweet I did uh, that I mentioned him in uh, Age of 70, but anyway. Nope, I haven't. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah. Um, uh, Moore is playing longtime DC character Karshawn. I have no idea who it is, but it says here that the character was originally a Green Lantern villain. Uh, he uh, appeared in 1963's Green Lantern number 24, who was originally a shark that, after being hit with radiation, gained intelligence and telepathic powers. They really love doing that kind of stuff in DC. <laughs> Animals that can, that can either get telepathy and or intelligence. There, there are a few of them, including a couple of similar ones in Ultra Humanite and Gorilla Grodd. Go figure. Anyway. Uh, Reagan is playing Atlan, the ancient ruler of uh, Atlantis, who uh, who caused the city to sink into the sea. And I believe this this is the character they probably mentioned in the first movie. I don't remember, but there's yeah. So I guess there's going to be a flashback. Um. Oh, here we go. Yeah, the character uh, appeared briefly in the 2018 Aquaman movie and was portrayed by Graham uh, McTavish. A uh, plot thread in that movie featured Aquaman finding Atlan's uh, trident. Uh, and then we got some other people that are returning, uh, apparently, and, and that kind of stuff. So, cool. Next. Alrighty, next up, over two years ago, Marvel TV announced a deal to bring Hitmonkey, Modoc, and two other animated series to Hulu. However, Howard the Duck and the Tigra and Dazzler animated series were canceled while in development. Regardless, though, Hitmonkey will soon join Modoc on Hulu, and it's going to premiere in November. So we we lose Tigra and Dazzler. I'm not worried about Howard the Duck. We lose Tigra and, and Dazzler, but we get Hitmonkey, who I'm fairly certain even neither one of us probably know that much about. Listen, it came about when it was just it, it was just one of those titles that didn't exactly strike a lot of inspir- you know didn't didn't reek of inspiration let's say right so i wasn't exactly in a rush to pick that up right but the trailer's out there for it and i watched it I'm, and uh, uh ted lasso was in it so i guess if you like yes. jason sudeikis uh then there is that <laughs> so i don't know i'm like I, I might check it out i still have yet to check out that modoc series but i want to but i'm going to 
<sighs> right next up though um oh by the way india moore for some folks uh you who have watched pose may know that name and i, I knew that I knew that name from somewhere but uh I, it was blanking at the time and i had to go back on the article so i was like oh yeah cool i like her uh, anywho a uh, new Hawkeye image pairs the no-nonsense, quote-unquote, Clint with the super-energetic Kate. So apparently there was a new steal still from the Marvel's Hawkeye uh, Disney Plus series that sees uh, Clint and Kate looking shocked in an abandoned KB toy store. Which, I think they're all abandoned KB toy stores <laughs> at this point. <laughs> So, yeah, like we said last uh, last uh, week uh, when we talked about the Hawkeye series and the trailer came out. If you haven't seen the trailer, you can go check it out. You know, it's set all kind of around-ish um, Christmas time. Shane Black has nothing to do with this as far as we know. No. Uh, but also but also has to do with the fraction in AHA's run of, um, of Hawkeye uh, in the comics, which there was a Christmas issue. But regardless... Um, as a part of its fall TV preview, Entertainment Weekly shared a new Hawkeye still from the Disney Plus series, which is arriving in November. Um, and it says here, like I said, we already know that Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop is geared up as Hawkeye next to the original Archer, Jerry Remembrenner's Clint Barton. While it's unclear what the pair is so shocked to see, probably a KB store short store, um, uh, the faded KB Toys logo in the background is a nice blast from the past. Yes. And then next they'll be going to the the last blockbuster, just like Captain America, Captain Marvel did, probably, but not really. Mm-hmm. Next, next up, Agents of Shield star Chloe Bennett has firmly debunked rumors about her reprising her role as Quake from Marvel's Secret Invasion series on Disney Plus. Bennett commented on the persistent rumors during a recent Instagram story, noting. Quote, I've avoided saying anything like this in general on social media or whatever because I thought maybe it would blow over, but it has not. I am in no way attached or involved, even at all or a little bit, in the Secret Invasion Marvel thing. I honestly don't even really what don't even uh, know really what that is. I am only coming on here to say this because it has gotten to the point that every day I'm getting hundreds of messages about this. I'm now getting like approached in person today. It was in the tampon aisle at target. So I figured I would just clear the air. That's just too bad. That was specific. Yes. Also, but, um, yeah. So obviously there's Marvel snipers, even if she was involved, you know, there are, there are times where there are folks have come out and said something, whether they needed to or not. And I mean, I feel like this is probably more of what she says than that. I think so too. Um, uh, so, but you know, we'll see when secret invasion, kind of pops up and that would be well i was going to say that was be a weird way for her to show up especially when agents of shield being not necessarily canon but it would go away if they did do that to bring it some some parts of it back into canon canon that's not a what if right so you know you know so but for those keeping track she's not doing powerpuff girls and she's not possibly not doing secret invasions so hey Right, that was the rumor that she was off Powerpuff Girls to do Secret Invasion. Right. So, there you go. Next. Uh, Shang-Chi heading into homes uh, on November 12th, uh, which Bob Chapek announces as Disney Plus Day. Uh, Here's a lineup of contents according to Deadline. So, if I'm not mistaken, November 12th of last year or roundabout was when they had that uh, investors call meeting. Um, 
so I'm kind of curious as to why this is now a quote-unquote day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but we come to find out that on this day, um, which is slightly disappointing for as, as a as Agent 70, as I told Agent 70 before the show, uh, because of that headline, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, which was assumed to have a 45-day uh, um, release window, yeah. uh, is now not said that and it's going to be another month because we were thinking, like, yeah, well, 45 days is going to be October 18th, so you know, I'll wait around and, and uh, probably check it out on Disney Plus there. Nope. Got a whole other month, November 12th, so um, along with apparently what other... Let's see... So, so Jungle Cruise, whatever, no one cares about that. It's going to be free on, because yep. um, that's under that premiere thing on Disney Plus. Nobody cares about that movie. Uh, some other stuff that is also going to be um, um, on put on the channel on that day. Which what is November twelfth? Uh, let me see. Dun, dun, dun. That is a Friday. Okay. Um. So I don't see anything. Uh, Marvel related outside of outside of Shang-Chi there's some other shorts and stuff there's uh, apparently season 2 the first 5 episodes of that Jeff Goldblum thing um, there's a special celebrating the origins and legacy of Star Wars uh, of uh, Boba Fett that's going to be on there there is a special celebrating the MCU on Disney Plus that's also going to be on there and some show with Michael Keaton uh, which I feel like I've heard about, but you know, sure. Uh, apparently, it's um, Disney Plus is also going to make its debut in South Korea and Taiwan on November 12th, uh, and in Hong Kong on November 6th. So, if you're in those territories, you will finally get Disney Plus, as I think I said earlier, or probably before the show. Disney Plus has still not been rolled out in a lot of places. So, there you go. If you were waiting for Shang-Chi to hit uh, the Disney Plus, yeah, you still got a little bit of ways to go. Sorry. Yep. Next up. Next up, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is expected to edge out Black Widow's box office numbers less than a month after its debut. According to Deadline, Shang-Chi sat financially at $183.2 million on Thursday, this past Thursday, in terms of ticket revenue, just $200,000 behind Black Widow's $183.4 million total. The film initially made $94.6 million domestically over the Labor Day weekend. Uh, I was part of that and is currently expected to, t- to file between uh, $11 million and $12 million in competition with uh, some newer movies coming out this week. So... Um, congrats to Shang-Chi. Indeed. Um, I look forward to seeing it whenever that happens. Uh, Eternals, uh, realm of the, the, uh, MCU, which is coming up. Uh, Legion Star teases his secret role in the MCU, it seems. Uh, so it appears that Dan Stevens might be, have a secret role in the, in Marvel Studios Eternals movie. Uh, Dan Stevens was, I believe, the title character of the Legion show that was on, uh, Fox. And I guess Hulu or wherever. Um, Collider Steve Weintraub brought the topic up during an interview with Stevens about his uh, sci-fi film "I'm Your Man," uh, to which he ans- to which he asks, uh, "What can you say hypothetically about any sort of role that you may or may not have in Eternals?" And Stevens cryptically answers, "Crow comment." So if you know anything about the um, uh, the Eternals, Crow was a is a I believe was the villain 
uh, he was the leader of the Deviants, according to this article. Um, and I guess he's voicing the character who I believe we did see in the, 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 the Eternal trailer. So, there you go. And I guess the, the Marvel snipers don't really care about that. <laughs> Next right. up. Uh, Disney-owned Marvel is suing relatives of Steve, Steve Ditko and other Marvel, comic cre- Marvel Comics creators to retain control of classic characters, including Iron Man, Daredevil, Spider-Man, and Black Widow. The lawsuits covered in a Hollywood Reporter story were filed in New York and California against the heirs of Steve Ditko, Don Rico, Don Heck, and Gene Colan, as well as Stan Lee's brother and Marvel collaborator, Lawrence Lieber. They ask courts to declare that Disney has sole ownership of comics like The Avengers, Iron Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Strange Tales, and Tales of Suspense, including the characters and story elements that have formed the basis for Disney's lucrative Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Hollywood Reporter noted that the suits followed directly Lieber and others sending termination, copyright termination notices to reclaim part of the rights on many Marvel characters. They're an attempt to head off litigation that might follow from those notices. Termination notices are meant to let creators and their heirs share in publishers' profits. But Disney's attorneys argue that Marvel had sole creative control over the characters and comic books in question, saying it paid writers and artists on a work-for-hire basis that precluded any rights to the resulting books. This case thus involves an invalid attempt by means of termination notices to acquire certain rights to iconic Marvel comic book characters and stories, says the suit against Lieber. <clears throat> this is stupid. Um, because this is... So, I don't know. You, I feel like you, you have a, more of a leg. You may or may not have... A, you probably have more of a leg on this, you know, being, being um, you know, uh, uh, legally inclined on, on right. this. But I'm like, you know, Disney's got a lot of money. They could fucking pay these people. There's like, this is they, they don't have they don't have anything without the works of these the 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 the, the, the family members of, of these people. So why are they suing them? That makes no kind of sense. And then there are people like, no, let Disney have this stuff. I'm like, no, all they do is just pay these people. It's, it's, <laughs> like, ultimately, what it comes down to is uh, some sort of finality, right? You know, they want they want to be able to 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 have I think some finality to this. Sure. And you know, copyright law is changing, and uh, you know, the work for hire thing is kind of a thing of the past at this point. You know, obviously, rights and and contracts are being drawn up to avoid this kind of thing happening now. But we're talking about stuff that happened back in the fifties and sixties. Right. So. It's 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 a little bit harder for the creators to prevail, or the, the 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 heirs of these creators to prevail. But we'll see how this goes because I was surprised to hear this. I was surprised to hear that the the heirs of these creators would be making a play at this point. Right. Because I thought it was fairly well uh, well settled that all that virtually all this stuff was done work for hire. Right. Yeah. You know, I I don't that's know. That's very little to no. You know, very little to no standing that they have to say that they have any sort of uh, ownership, however small, in, mm-hmm. in these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just so I've, part of this, and I don't know if you feel this way or if or I'm, I'm part of this. I'm still not fully versed in, but I do remember this. Like, this feels like the the Mickey Mouse um, um, copyright all over again. Well, more like Superman. 
You know, okay, that's sure. You know, yeah, it's really more like Superman, and I'm not as familiar with how the how uh, Warner Brothers slash DC settled that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not my cup of this is not my sure. area of expertise. So, mm-hmm. um, I I'm just dealing almost as blindly as you are. Gotcha. So, um, you know, I'd have to do a little bit more reading into this. I just haven't had an opportunity to even look at this. Uh, you know, to, to to look at this article, much less look at the legal papers and then see, you know, what they're basing their uh, their arguments on. Right. So, yeah. So there are some articles basing this that uh, Disney could lose the rights to the MCU characters because, you know, that seems to be the thing people kind of couch it on or. Um, but yeah, but regardless, yeah, I would imagine this is going to to, to uh, bear out some kind of way. Hopefully that'll benefit everybody involved. I would hope. I don't know, because on the one hand, it looks like Disney's big, big corporate, and I hate that part of this because it's just, you know, it's it's a terrible look, and it's, you know, <laughs> it doesn't make Disney, who on one side has a um, has one image, but also a very big monopoly at this point. Right. So, I don't know. But, you know, stay tuned, because I'm sure we'll see more on this at some point. Uh, but next up... Uh, Obi-Wan has finished filming according to uh, Ewan McGregor. Uh, So Ewan McGregor says that filming has wrapped on the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, Apparently, after winning an Emmy for his role in Netflix's uh, Halston, Variety asked uh, Ewan McGregor for any details on the upcoming Star Wars show, and he confirmed that they are done filming, and he says that he thinks that, quote-unquote, it will not disappoint. We shall see. (laughs) Next up. Next up, The Amazing World of Gumball revived at Cartoon Network and HBO Max. Uh, Gumball, Darwin, and more will return to both HBO Max and Cartoon Network with a new movie tentatively titled The Amazing World of Gumball, the movie, and TV series tentatively titled The Amazing World of Gumball, the series, marking the first original projects greenlit out of Hanna-Barbera Studios Europe, Warner Media Kids, and family, Family Flagship, family's flagship television animation studios within EMEA. And my reaction to this is... Who? <laughs> so, granted, both Agent uh, 70 and I are probably slightly aged out of this cartoon, but I've watched some Gumball, and Gumball's kind of dope. It's crazy as, as hell, but it's kind of dope. Um, and it's, I believe it is on HBO Max, so you can go check out some of that. Uh, but but I love Gumball, so I'm I'm happy to see this movie. And I believe they have done uh, comic books off of off of these characters, all off of this series. So I'm happy to see this, and I would I would watch some Gumball. Uh, I probably will watch some Gumball later. There you go. Um, Let there be carnage releases the clearest look at Shriek yet. Apparently. Um, a newly released Venom Let There Be Carnage uh, poster spotlights Naomi Harris as Shriek, not Shrek, but Shriek, the secondary villain of the film. Uh, Sony Pictures dropped the poster alongside ones for Tom, ha- uh, I'm about to say Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock, Woody Harrison's Cletus Cassidy, and Michelle Williams's Anne Weying. Excuse me. Shriek's appearance in the poster harkens back to her look in the source material, with the glowing blue eye uh, and facial scar paying homage to her comic book origins. And to that, I say, who? Hmm. 
Uh, but if you're watching the video version of uh, the Combo Chronicles, you can see said poster and Naomi Harris right there. Uh, apparently, October 1st is when that's going to happen uh, on some friends of mine's birthday. So yay for them for that if they care. Uh, next up. Next up, Paramount Plus announced it's launching a new streaming bundle for both its ad-supported and premium tiers that include Showtime. So, um, there is the essential plan with limited ads for $5 per month and an ad-free premium plan for $10 per month. Uh, Showtime is offering the bundle at special introductory pricing of $10 per month and $13 per month, respectively, that those would that you know that would be the uh the previous paramount plans plus showtime mm. that uh that viacom synergy start new to do some things i guess i don't know they, they got to do something with that service because it's all, the only thing that's really there is star trek it's just i mean they got a bunch of old shows but you know that's you can find star trek on pretty it's much like, other service right i'm like what's paramount plus right <laughs> i mean that, well i take that back because the only one that Discovery and probably that new stuff that the lower decks, or whatever, those are not on anywhere else. But you know, those are and that next season of uh, Picard uh, that's coming at some point. Like those are the only things that's significantly different about Paramount Plus. But hey, it's a lot of Viacom content, so there you go if you care. And now they're adding Showtime to it, so you can get that Diaz Zamero on. I guess. <laughs> Assuming they put any of that on there. I don't know. Regardless, next up. Uh, Blade Runner, Platinum End, Fina, and more League Crunchyroll's fall season. Uh, Crunchyroll has announced its first wave of anime simulcast for the fall 2021 season. So far, 14 new series or seasons have been announced, as well as nine uh, shows continuing from the summer season, and two short anime series has just been added to the site's catalog. Uh, highlights include Platinum Inn from the creators of Death Note, the Adult Swim uh, co-produced Blade Runner Black Lotus, uh, fellow Adult Swim Country Roll original Fina Pirate Princess is among the anime continuing from the summer, the second season of... Oh, to the second season of uh, Yashihime, which is the uh, Inuyasha sequel... Uh, and high uh, original Magical Girl series High Guardian Spice, amongst other stuff. So, I don't see Fire Force on here, so I am less caring. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as we have talked about uh, before the show, uh, My Hero uh, just ended its fifth season, and the sixth season is definitely coming at some point, from what yes. I saw. It's going to be in 2022, so yes. it's going to be a little while. Yeah. They're working on it right now, yep. so I have to uh, go through My Hero Academia withdrawal <laughs> until the new movie comes out, at least. Yes, indeed. Next up. Next up, HBO Max celebrates DC's history and legacy with a three-part documentary. Um, the untitled documentary is helmed by Academy Award and Emmy-nominated director, producer, and showrunner Leslie Iwerks, or Eworks, and is produced by Warner Brothers. Uh, unscripted television. Um, looking for a release date. I'm not sure. I got an article, dang it. Uh, I'm not sure if there is one actually in here. Are they, I mean, do they have a window? Like fall or spring or something like that? Um, I'm seeing some stuff that says uh, early 2020, but not particularly that. Early 2022, that you mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I feel like there was a date. I don't know why it's not on this order. I think I did. I thought I did see a date somewhere else for else for this. Um, but I think we'll probably, regardless, we'll probably know more now to think about it at DC Fandom when that happens. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, the, I did see something in, tied into that. So if we don't see it now, we'll definitely see it then. Um, Cabo B-Boy's Bebop's Yoko Kano scored opening sequence drop this this weekend. I believe that it has already come out. Um, now that I think about it, because I've seen two people talking about it. I've not seen it, though. Uh, the one-of-a-kind sound of Cowboy Bebop's soundtrack is returning with the opening theme for the uh, live-action reboot to debut in Netflix's uh, Tudum virtual event that was, well, as of this recording, yesterday, or uh, that being Saturday, the 25th. Uh, Tudum included a... a an exclusive first look of the upcoming series title sequence featuring John Choi, John Cho, excuse me, um, who plays the lead role of Spike. So fans who have been waiting to hear how Yoko Kano's will approach the new take on the classic series can finally get a good sample. Uh, and if you don't know the, the classic opening uh, theme uh, old, entitled Tank from Kappa Bebop, which uh, uh, Agent 70 has now become familiar with, Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Now you can see 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 what uh, Yoko Kano has got got in store for that. Like I said, one of these days I'm a, well, not even one of these days. I'll probably do this later because I totally forgot about this thing was happening. I'm going to check that out. Next up. Oh, now we're going to go over into the comic book news. All righty. Um. This is well. It's not weird, but. Uh, Black Panther writer Christopher Priest to pen sci-fi comic Entropy. I, I say it's weird because, yes, we know Priest's run is like the definitive version of Black Panther, but this article opens up by saying, following runs on Marvel's Black Panther, which that was in the 90s, folks. So right. it's not following anything. But DC's Deathstroke and Justice League, which were more recent, <laughs> this is way more recent, and Dynamite's Vampirella, um... Veteran comic book writer Christopher Priest is teaming up with Heavy Metal for an upcoming standalone science fiction series uh, titled Entropy. Uh, the publisher described the project as the story of Hank- Henry Hanks, a likable average everyman who will become responsible for destroying the ro- ro- world. Um, under the influence of Keiko, uh, a seemingly unstoppable chaotic force that exists throughout the multiverse, a force that he swears to destroy no matter the cost. Uh, there is no artist for the series that has been announced. Um, and I guess Priest has a soundbite, well, not soundbite, but Priest says, uh, I am really jazzed about working for Heavy Metal, a prestige imprint. Uh, many of us lowly superhero creators could only aspire to someday graduate too, Priest said in a statement about the project. Uh, joining the same creative environment as Mobius, Corbin, Wrightson, Eastman, Sudam, Goodman, Starenko, and so many others uh, feels like uh, a lot like being handed the keys to Dad's Shiny's new Bugatti. Uh, excitingly nerve-wracking bye-bye driver's license, mm. according to the priest. So, I like priest's stuff. You know, that Deathstroke Death series is great. Obviously, you know, I can't say enough good things about uh, his run of Black Panther. Um, I really... Oh, his Justice League was an excellent uh, bad either, now that I think about it. Um, curious about this? I don't know if I'll check it out. And I don't know if we're going to get any um, uh, review copies of this either, so... 
We'll see. Next up. All right. So in previews for, I think, something that is in uh, the December solicits. Probably. Uh, you know, uh, T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, sets a start in a new young readers miniseries titled Black Panther Legends. And a preview introdu- reintroduces Marvel's original White Wolf. And, um, you know, it's it's done by author uh, Tochi Onyobuchi and uh, New York Times bestselling illustrator Sitor uh, Fiadzigbe and colorist Paris Ayeni. Um, the preview pages feature a young T'Challa and Hunter with the latter growing up to take on the White Wolf mantle. Okay. Not to be confused with Bucky Barnes. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. I want to make sure I'm on, I'm on track because I totally forgot what I did on this one. But uh, Marvel Unleashes Wolverine, Wolverine's arch foe Sabretooth in a solo series. Uh, after being exiled in an X-Men, which was like, I wouldn't say that happened in Hoxbox, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Sabretooth is coming back to the pages, uh, in the pages of his own solo series. Uh, beginning in January 2022, Sabretooth launches from writer Victor Lavelle. Artist oh, Lynn. I apologize. It's actually pronounced Aline. Okay. Gotcha. Paris damned Aline. if I know how to read that. <laughs> you Look, you did better than I would on, on a couple of those names, so hey. Um, but um, anyway, launches from writer Victor Lavelle, artist Leonard Kirk, and colorist Rain Barreto. Uh, the series features the return of Wolverine's dreaded arch-rival, who was exiled from Krakoa and banished to the pit. Um, yep. Oh, like I said, in Hoxbox. Mm-hmm. Um, so, see, Sabretooth was given this sentence, but well, we ain't even going to go into that. But um, it says here now the truth behind what Sabretooth has been doing in exile will be revealed, with Marvel teasing that the answer is not what you expect. Quote unquote. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Next up. All right, this is related to the uh, the Onslaught book that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel Comics has teased a new addition to uh, the X-Men titles. The, uh, they had a, a teaser image that is related to that Onslaught book uh, featuring a number of mutants, uh, including Nightcrawler, Pixie, and the Juggernaut. And uh, it suggests that those characters will be part of um, a new title with the tagline reading, we keep the peace, we keep the law, we keep the spark. Right, which was at the uh, the at the end of um, that onslaught slot one shot from this week. Right. So, yeah, who knows what that's going to be. Um, yeah, I was looking at that image, and I'm like, okay, I see a couple of characters. I don't know who in the world some of, a couple of these people are. But we'll find out, I guess. Uh, Loki's Mixed Minutes stars on a variant cover for Kang-centered event comic. Uh, so apparently, um, Loki's, uh, breakout star Mixed Minutes is lo- jumping into Marvel Comics in a variant cover for Timeless Number 1, a new Kang-centric, uh, one-shot that promises to offer a sampler of the publisher's 2022 plans. Uh, so I guess it's like that, or the, the, the other book that I can't remember the name of, um, um, 
from last year or from this year, I guess. I don't remember that time. time. Um, while the cover has not been made public, Games Radar confirmed that Marvel is planning a Miss Minutes variant cover for Timeless uh, number one. As of just writing, the, uh, the, the artist for the cover is unknown. It is also not known if the cover is just a reference to the popular Loki character or if Miss Minutes will play a vital role in the comic's story. At this point, I'm willing to bet yes for, to both. Because right. <laughs> they can't help themselves from from taking stuff from the uh, MCU and putting them back in the in the um, in the comics, for better or for worse. I'm looking at you, Artie. Anyway, um, <laughs> a while many elements of the Marvel Cinematic U can be traced back to the comics. Miss Menace was an original creation for the popular Disney Plus show, which uh, has been renewed. We all know that. Uh, I don't think there's an image on here. It is not. Uh, but it's going to be written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Carol Walker, uh, Agent 70's favorite Greg Land, and Mark oh. Bagley. Um, uh, Timeless number one goes on sale on December 22nd of this year. It's the book that uh, Joe Bennett got kicked off of. So Yes. Um, yeah, Greg Land was his replacement. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> next um, I'm going to consolidate the next two stories because they yes. involve the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number 18 that came out this week. Of course, we talked about that, the fact that uh, Guardians was coming to an end kind of abruptly, rather abruptly with mm-hmm. this issue. And um, minor spoilers, again, Roddy Cap mentioned this. Um, Doctor Doom is going to be, uh, is basically set for the, quote, reckoning war that's going to be coming in the pages of, uh, or leading out of the pages of the Fantastic Four with the power that he has acquired as a result of the actions taken in this book. Yep. So we still don't necessarily know uh, what's going on in that, with that recommended war outside of being teased in last issue of, of Fantastic Four, along with something else that was also teased. But we're going to find out very soon, apparently. Um, next up, though, Black Panther. Oh, wait. Why is that in here twice? Why did I do that? OK, Boom. we already I was about to get an action figure story. Yeah, no, I know. I for some reason, I put that other uh, Black Panther story in here twice for uh, fully loaded Marvel Legends Doctor Strange is coming to Walmart. Uh, much to the chagrin of uh, Agent Seventy, who may or may not care about this. <laughs> no, I do care about this, and, and, and I'll let you uh, tell the story, and I'll tell you why. All right. In advance of his descent into the multiverse of madness, Doctor Strange will shortly enter an even more chaotic space, one where the law of reasoning does not apply and all realities converge. Naturally, we're talking about Walmart. But um, boom. Um, hash for today, well, at one day um, announced that an exclusive Marvel Legends Doctor Strange for the ubiquitous big box store to become available sometime next spring and the good doctor will come prepared uh, let's see while most Marvel Legends figures come in with one or two accessories uh, Stephen Strange brings many um, he, you can make him wield a large axe or cast spells with magical energy effects. Customize the overall look uh, after that with one of the three included heads. Uh, and the cost gets uh, slightly higher for these bonuses. This is weird writing they got going on on the site. But um, Strange will run twenty six forty nine. the price of more premium box figures. That's a price point usually reserved for movie-accurate deco. But in this case, it is to ensure a level of comic accuracy that a character this complex uh, deserves. So I'm going to sit here and scroll through the image gallery while 
uh, uh, Agent Seventy um, put up his um, his uh, interpretations. <laughs> it's a gripe. I mean, bottom line. No, what I was just going to say. Bottom line is, yeah, it sucks that it's at Walmart. That's a pain in the neck, uh, especially for uh, you know city dwellers who don't have any sort of Walmart handy. Um, what's great about this Doctor Strange is that it's the classic Doctor Strange everyone has been asking for. You know, the 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 the, the classic colors. He even comes with a wand of Watum. Yep. Uh, as I so, just got to that one. Right. So ultimately, it's just a pain in the neck that this is going to be a Walmart exclusive. You know, I did luck out with the Walmart exclusive uh, gray suit Black Widow mm-hmm. because I eventually was able to find it on Amazon for a tiny, tiny markup. But who knows if this Doctor Strange is going to be uh, just as much of a pain in the neck to get because it took me, you know, several months of uh, of it coming out before I was able to get that Black Widow. So, you know, it, this could prove to be just as problematic because it's comic accurate. Yep. And the movie's coming out. So, you know, right. there's going to be some folks after this. Um, they even got uh, Blue Mask uh, uh, ahead for for this. Right. Which kind of sucks because he's got a flesh tone neck so that yeah. you know that it, it doesn't exactly jive with the blue mask so yeah i did that yeah but yeah there you go you can see it if you're watching the video version of this here pod- podcast and you should sometimes next up um come on now all right so i've got this mm-hmm uh hot toys rolls out a huge hydra stomper from what if and that's essentially the story uh, it's priced at $625. It's not cheap. Very much not. Um, and again, I'm just going to quickly go through the, the gallery here. There's a Hydra Stomper with, uh, with um, Captain Carter on the back, but I'm pretty sure that figure's not coming, going, coming with. Uh, yeah, it comes with a skinny, unserumed what-if Steve Rogers. Yes. Uh, which you can see right there. Um seen being climbing into the Hydra Stomper uh, inside um, right next to which is pretty much as big as his leg its leg and a, a full shot of both so yeah there you go next up Pink Ray's lightsaber from Rise of the Skywalker uh, finally gets a force effects elite replica um, so yeah Jazz everywhere can finally be able to wield Ray's lightsaber for themselves when Force Effects replica arrives next year. As recently announced by Hasbro, the replica of Ray's lightsaber will, will feature the LEDs and the sound effects for the realistic Force Effects uh, Elite series has known to be has become known for, excuse me, but this time with a twist apparently. For the first time, wielders of this lightsaber can activate various sounds and visual effects such as battle clashes, uh, blaster deflections and a molted blade tip, um, all of with a twist of the yellow blade. Uh, when not slashing, however, the lightsaber's blade can be removed or left in to do, to be displayed on the included stand. Uh, Please per use. Um, uh, the iconic replicated weapon also features a real metal hilt, accurately modeled after the lightsaber's debut appearance in The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, there's the box, there's it on a stand, there's a little close-up of it, and the price is $264.99, available in spring of 2022. 
Have at it, folks. Next. Next up, uh, Funko Games will make the Goonies Never Say Die board game and Under the Goondocks expansion available to game retailers early 2022, following its initial launch as a Target exclusive. Okay. Yes. Target getting the goodies, I guess. Or the Goonies. Ha ha ha. Amaro's new Gundam will be Japan's next life-size mecha model. So y'all, some folks may know that there's a, a, a gigantic, a giant uh, Gundam somewhere in Japan, which I've yet to see any version of uh, in person, but would be very lovely if I could. Well, apparently, um, Amaru Ray's RX-93V New Gundam, which um, appeared in Charles' Counterattack, uh, is going to be the next one that's going to have be life size. Um, I don't know. Are they waiting for some alien invasion and they're just stockpiling these? Because of what are they doing with the rest of them? And you know, I'm just saying somebody needs to pilot these things for real, for real. Anyway, uh, the new redesign was supervised by Gundam series creator and Con- Charles Connor Attack director um, Yoshiyuki Tomino himself. But fans still express their disappointment at uh, what they see as an overly simplified take on the original. While others noted that the original mobile suit's uh, elaborate design may not be feasible in a massive one-to-one scale statue. I'm just telling that they have a giant uh, life-size Gundam somewhere in, in Japan and we don't. Just saying. I mean, granted, that would be the place for it. And you can see, I guess... Uh, I'm assuming this is a mock-up over it, because I don't think it's up. Oh, wait, no, this is the um the old one that's already up. Uh, That's the pictures of that one. Or I think that's one of the... I don't remember. Regardless, folks, there you go. If you're in Japan, or if, you're, if you want to sponsor us a trip to Japan, uh, you know, we are more than welcome to take serious offers. And I'm actually I'm probably joking. Next up. Teen Titans, the young adult graphic novel series from DC, saw a fresh trailer drop for its upcoming installment, Teen Titans, Beast Boy Loves Raven. Okay. Yeah, so this is the uh, the next in line of, from uh, Kami Garcia and Gabriel Piccolo, um, to which I think there's, yeah, there's been another one. There's a trailer for this, which is, trailers for, for graphic novels, comic books is still weird to me, but... Uh, it's going to hit shelves on September 8th, 28th, which is a couple of days from this recording. Well, it's just tomorrow from this recording at the, at this point. Uh, moving right along, the Justice League goes to war with the Legion of Superheroes in 2022. So, uh, let's see. The, just, the Legion of Superheroes will be making their triumphant return this December in Justice League 2021 Annual Number 1. The 48-page story will be written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Eisner Award winner Sanford Green. Nice. Uh, DC solicit information reveals that the and also former guest of the show uh, Sanford Green by the way uh, DC solicit information reveals that the issue will see the Legion of Superheroes facing off against the Justice League. This will be the first time that the Legion of Superheroes has been seen since the start of DC's Infinite Frontier because they definitely have been um, within the last year or two been been around. Uh, the issue goes on sale December fourteenth. And you can see uh, what looks to be, I guess, the cover uh, from Sanford Green. Uh, if you're watching the video version. Next. 
Alrighty, so DC has assigned some new code names to uh, Green Lanterns um, so that the Green Lanterns, you know, the Green Lantern title is, you know, for every every Green Lantern and, you know, they're not, they can't just go by Green Lantern to everyone else. So they started uh, some code names and in uh, Green Lantern number six that started, so Simon Baz is referred to as Broken Lantern. Um, Sinestro is referred to as Last Lantern, and so on and so forth. That's funny. Simon, Simon's the Broken Lantern. I guess that makes sense given how they've done it. That, um, but yeah, sure. I still have yet to catch up on on, on Green Lantern, but I, that was a choice. Uh, DC announces the Batwoman Who Laughs imminent debut. Uh, so the Batwoman who laughs will soon emerge as a new thorn inside of the DC Universe's heroes, according to an upcoming solicitation for Justice League Incarnate Number Two, uh, written by Joshua Williamson and Dennis Culver, with artwork by Kyle Hotz and Andre Bresson. Justice League Incarnate is a new series set to begin in November, uh, starring a team of comprised of superheroes from various Earths, including Val Zod, the Superman of Earth Twenty Three. Wait. Is that right? Is it Earth 23? Or, you know what? It doesn't matter at this point. I don't... I was about to say, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was Earth 3, but you know what? Let's move on. Uh, at, and Flashpoint Batman, um, which I guess is Thomas Wayne. Uh, it is Thomas Wayne. I, I know that much, at least. Uh, Justice League Incarnate will see the team defending the multiverse against Darkseid, along other threats, including Earth 11's Batwoman Who Laughs. They just can't stop themselves with this Who Laughs thing, can't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, when is this coming out? So we can move on. Let's see. Four ninety nine US forty pages to uh two hundred five on sale December seventh of this of twenty twenty one. Next. Next up, tennis superstar Serena Williams will team up with Wonder Woman in a brand new digital comic launching this week titled "Serving Up Justice," featuring Serena Williams and Wonder Woman. The book will also tie into. Uh, Direct TV's current ad campaign featuring Williams dressed as Wonder Woman. You've probably seen that on television. I have not, the, but I want to. What's that? I have not, but I want to. Uh, the book will be released by DC Comics in conjunction with Critical Mass. Okay. Yes, and of course you can see the, um, I guess the the um, cover for uh, this um, series. Uh, on your screen right now from uh, if you're watching a video from again sometimes do that why is this on here again I don't know why is this on here again what am I doing um what is going on man uh I am screwing up so let me just go ahead and put these two on here so we can cut, bring this back on home uh DC da, 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 da. DC Fandom promo celebrates uh every cinematic Batman uh, so DC Fandom saw its latest promo drop with slick montage showcasing eight films and six different actors embodiments of the Batman. The half minute clip posted to the official DC uh, Comics Twitter pays homage to the Bruce Waynes of cinema's past and future. And it goes through all of them. I'm not even going to know them because you know them. Uh, highlighting the prestige of each star's... <laughs> highlighted the prestige of each star's contribution to their respective works. I'm going to argue that a couple of them didn't really have any highlights. I'm mm. just saying. 
Uh, but the post urges viewers to honor the Dark, Knight, the Dark Knight's big screen adventures and more at hashtag DC Fandom, which will stream live October 16th. And, of course, you can see the tweet right there on the video version. Next. Next up, Dark Horse Comics has promoted from within to fill an editorial management position while Mad Cave Studios has hired an experienced hand as a new vice president. Freddie Miller, formerly an editor at Dark Horse Comics, has been promoted to managing editor, editor, the company announced. Miller started as a receptionist in 2005, became an assistant editor in 2008, and an editor in 2015. All right, there is some upward mobility. Right. Uh, and uh, I got to open the article. Killing Not really, but if you want, <laughs> a couple other people got, um, there's, there's some other, there's another one, actually, there's only one other dude that got, got a bump up. Yeah, 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 yeah. New VP of Matt Cave. Good job, dude. Yeah. Uh, Noir is the new black uh, uh, anthology. Uh, wait, Noir is the new black and anthologizes the best in African American comics. Uh, newly released from Fabrice Sapolsky's Fair Square Comics, its first offering is Noir is the New Black, which is an old school comics anthology that delves into the inner and outer reaches of some of the best African American creators in comics today. The anthology is a collection showcasing 16 tales of shadowy, psychologically gripping drama in the vein of classic urban mystery. Uh, featuring an impressive roster of, of some of 40 top creators, Noir is the New Black provides an incredible diverse companion of stories set in time periods as disparate as the 1700s and the far-flung future, encompassing uh, genres as different as true crime and science fiction. What unites them, according to honest uh, Sean Martin Burroughs forward, is a distinctive, distinctive visual approach to ter- storytelling. And it's an eclectic journey like no other, according to them. Um, it is, I believe it is on sale now, because the rest of the article is a preview of some co- couple of the stories in here. And I, I kind of want to check this out. Uh, but I believe, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, Fair Square Comics, and it is on sale on sale now wherever books are sold. And folks, whoop, that comes to the end of this here news section, and we got one last ad read. All right, we've got an ad read. I've got a quick toy corner. Oh yes. Uh, so you do the. You want to do the um, toy corner first? All right, really quick, folks, because I'm about to pass out. It is late for a Sunday going into a Monday. But um, thankfully, uh, as we as Cat and I talked about, whenever we get these updates from uh, Amazon where it says, oh, something that you had originally anticipated coming through some month ends up being pushed back two months because of supply delays. But then it turns out that they were basically just hedging and you end up getting a compromise date in between. So what originally was going to come like late October, maybe even November, ended up coming late September. First up, it is the modular Iron Man from the um, this is the Ursa Major Wave. And uh, if you played Marvel versus Capcom, 
or Marvel superheroes, you will recognize this armor as that quintessential 90s armor that would tra- that translated into the video game. I am excited to have this armor. I wasn't necessarily a fan of it, but I love that it's depicted so well in this action figure format. And certainly not least, we essentially get in the same Ursa Major Wave what appears to be the definitive Marvel Legends Ultron figure. And this is it. This is the back of the uh, the box. I, I'm just I'm, I'm tilting it slightly to avoid the too much glare from my ring light because Ultron is shiny. <laughs> he just is. As That's one the, would expect. Is, exactly. That's just the nature of the character. So I can tilt it back and and, and uh, assist with um, what this looks like. So, you know, those of you who are tuned into the video or watching the replay will see that I um, have finally acquired uh, this Ultron and I will hopefully set up. It might not be a diorama uh, or, or an action scene right behind me, per se, but it might be on another bookshelf that I will be posting pictures of. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that one because that was the I believe that is the the classic um, version of Ultron, not that movie version that uh, been that a lot of folks like myself and Age of Seven have been looking forward to. So um, I'm probably going to get both of those. Uh, that being said, now we got one last ad read. Our last ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page from there scroll down to the blue apron link and sign up for your first order blue apron through cspn.us do it today as we come to an end of another uh, episode of comic book chronicles I'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming out uh, we will be back next week on hopefully on our regular time on Thursdays, but we'll get to that in a second. I have been Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News and Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore, Agent underscore 70 you can find on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PC underscore dirt on Twitter, popcorn.net on Twitter, popcorn.network.com, and the umbrella sites they're in, uh, and also possibly bite uh, under comic reviews, no vowels. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, the Osiris of this ish, you can find at Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can find him also at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at The Click Nation on Twitter. That's V-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word. Uh, you can also find him at theclicknation.com, but you can definitely find him at Combook Resources, where he's at cpr.com, where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. 
You can also find us on this uh, on your podcast virtual place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to click like, subscribe, hit the notification button, and leave us five star reviews on Apple Podcasts, please. Yes, and and none of that uh, five star they suck business. Come on, right? Don't do that. Be nice. Um, but anyway, you could also find us every week uh, as we go live on uh, most normally on Thursdays at nine thirty ish p.m. Uh, on both the uh, YouTube channel of the Click Nation uh, and also twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, all one word. And uh, we will be back next week. So uh, more comic book news, more what if, because we still got a couple of episodes of that. Maybe possibly a little bit more on the um, uh, Star Wars Visions, because I will definitely have, we'll be finished watching those by that time. Uh, there's a couple other things we're probably going to we're we're thinking about in the works um, on another franchise that we may end up doing a treasure edition on. We shall see. I still need to put out a couple of treasure editions on some stuff that I keep saying I'm gonna keep doing stuff on, but that's a, just there he, neither here nor there. That being said, folks, this has been uh, the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. I love it when a plan comes together. What's on your